Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, it's 6 a.m., Bill Murray sitting up in bed, Sonny and Cher playing, it is Groundhog Day. We did four hours on how the Jazz lost to Minnesota, that was the Monday show. Talked all about the great first quarter, the complete lack of offense in the second, third quarters, the inability to make shots. The big rally in the fourth quarter that gave the Jazz a one-point lead and then ultimately the frustrating defeat to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the 29th best team in the NBA. And then the Jazz went out and did all of those things all over again. How exciting is that? Let's see a show of hands. Who's pumped up? Who's fired up? Come on. Good times. Again, the Jazz with a big early lead. Some idiot sportscaster tweeted out something that he didn't delete. He'll just own it. I bet I think they'll handle it better this time. The lead was gone by halftime, just like on Saturday. (laughs) You know, I did think, and I was smart enough not to tweet this, but I'm just going to plead guilty to all the stupid things I think during Jazz games. Why not? I did think, you know, they won a lot of games in the third quarter this year. You know, you get a measure of team in the first half. You know what they're doing. You make your adjustments, and you beat them in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter's blocked. And they've done that a lot this year. That's why they played so few clutch minutes. Might be one of the reasons they're not good in clutch minutes. They haven't been in enough of those situations. That's one theory. I don't know. You can have your own. So in the third quarter of this game, and very early, Jazz score and tie it, and they get a stop and they get the ball back. And they got the ball, and the ball goes into the left corner. And this is, this is when I know the second half isn't going to get any better. <laughs> and I think it went to Royce. I'm not 100% sure. Ball goes into the left corner. And guys, whoever it is, maybe it's Royce, I think it is, has a three-point shot. Doesn't take it. Whips it cross-court. And i got to admit, although I was already cringing because he passed on a three, I thought the guy he's throwing it to is wide open and is a better three-point shooter. is coming off a real hot game. And it was to the um, – it was above the break, but kind of to the right side. It wasn't top of the key straight away. Kind of split the difference between there and where the break and the line goes straight down to the baseline. And it was bogey. And he was open. I thought, bogey's going to shoot it for sure. And then it actually is a better shot. So even though you passed it up, you know you're going to get a better shot. And then the shot's taken great. But, of course, bogey didn't take the shot. Bogey threw it into the corner to a guy who was about as open. And the corner is a higher percentage shot. I get that. And it was Conley. And he didn't take the shot either. I mean, there were three guys who could have taken a shot. And Quinn would have never said anything negative to him. You know, under the whole uh, PK brought this up. At uh, some point on Monday's show, which, of course, I'll bring up again today because we're just going to redo the show because the Jazz redid the game. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Kristoviak had shots. Some are A shots. Some are F shots. But there's also B, C, and D shots, right? I mean, if you can get an uncontested layup or dunk to win a game with four seconds left. No. No, we're going to get to that later. We're going to do this in order. Um, if you get a layup or a, a dunk, you know, that's, well, that's an A, all right? That's that's the best you can do. High percentage. You can get a wide. If you're a good three point shooter, you get a wide open shot, especially in the corner, and your feet are set. You know that if it isn't an A shot, depending on how well you shoot them, it's a B plus or an A minus shot. Now for a lot of jazz guys, that's an A shot. I thought all three of those shots were at minimum B plus shots, and they didn't take any of them. And Conley drove, and then he turned the ball over, and Minnesota ran down court, and Bogey had to foul to stop the break, and. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, they're not going to do this the easy way. And I got to say, I never 
thought they were completely out of it. When the lead got to double digits, I wondered, but they took it back down under double digits so quickly, I thought they've still got a chance. You know, Minnesota doesn't know how to win, and they're going to make mistakes. Boy, did Minnesota make mistakes. My gosh, they made mistakes. They made some spectacular mistakes. And it helped the Jazz. The Jazz punished them for some of those mistakes, but not nearly enough of them. And so what could have been a seven or eight point lead pretty easily was a one point lead. And and then we get to the play. The only good thing about this play is that Rudy owned it. <laughs> That's all I got for you. There was nothing else. So Conley hits a huge three. And the night the Jazz are struggling to shoot threes. Oh, they shot it better in the fourth quarter. Tip of the cap to George Niang. He changed the momentum of the game big time, hitting four three-pointers. He did not hesitate. He took his shots, and he made his shots. And they were big shots. And they got the Jazz back in the game. So Conley hits a three, and the Jazz take the lead, and there's six seconds left. Just get a stop and win the game, and then we can go in tomorrow morning and talk about winning ugly. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And so there's an inbounds play, and I, I did see stuff about what a great inbounds play that was drawn up. And I don't want to rain anybody's parade, but no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It literally wasn't any better than a bunch of inbounds plays that a bunch of dads coaching junior jazz teams have drawn up. A little guy set a screen on a big guy. It ain't basketball genius. And the jazz switched it. Now, that was problematic, and for – for Conley, no matter what they prearranged and their code, and they get into all that in the post game, you're going to hear it coming up here later in the hour. I still body language matters, and no matter what you decide, sometimes because guys know each other and because teams are familiar with each other, they just do stuff on the fly. Right? This is a highly scripted sport. Okay, this is a highly scripted sport, and if a guy shooting in the corner stands two feet too high, you can bet Quinn Snyder and or or and now, probably and, assistant coach, are going are gonna to let you know you're standing two feet too high, get your butt back in the corner. Th- those details matter. These guys are too big and too athletic. Your, your spacing has to be very precise. But nonetheless, some stuff just gets ad-libbed on the fly. It just does. And I did think for a moment, as they switched, and as Mike Conley switched on to Carl Anthony Towns, who's about a foot taller than him, I thought there was a little look of panic from Mike, like, do we really want to do this? And I could see why Rudy go. But he didn't go, and judging from what you're about to hear them say in the postgame, he wasn't supposed to, right? But then he hesitated, and then he went. And by then, after the screen and the players were moving apart, Carl Anthony Towns is going out high, and he's shot the ball well, and he may well just fire up a shot over Conley, who can only contest so well because he's a foot shorter. (sighs) Gobert decides to go help. That leaves the obvious question of what happened to the Guy Gobert is defending, allegedly. Well, he got an uncontested layup and won the game. Eh, it happens. And Gobert, his credit afterwards, said it was 100% his fault. None of it was on Mike. It was all his fault. And then there was another follow-up question kind of about that. Well, not so much about that, but more about you know losing and losing again. And he said, hey, we did some stuff right and we did some stuff wrong. You'll hear it. I'm paraphrasing. He says, but <laughs> if I make that play... <laughs> I know. He says, but we lost the game because I bleeped up that play. And he just dropped the big one right in the middle of the post game. Oh, my gosh. Didn't even flinch. Didn't apologize. <laughs> I bleeped up the play. All right. You'll hear all that coming up later in the hour. So the Jazz lose back-to-back to the Wolves. And honestly, and we'll get into this later in the show, I don't think that's the biggest problem. I mean, it's a problem. I'm not telling you it's not a problem. 
don't 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 break your radio and don't drive off the road. It's a problem, but the bigger problem is this kind of stuff's been going on for a while. It's not. I mean, if Donovan had played, they might have won both of these games. They might have won them ugly. So there's that. I get it. But they're six and six in their last twelve, and Donovan played in half those games. And all year long, Quinn is saying, "I don't worry about the race. I don't worry about player position. I want us playing their best basketball going into the playoffs." They got eleven games left. And there's no chance you can tell me with a straight face that these last 12 games are their best basketball. They are not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're 6-6 six and six in their last 12. So although they're going to tell you how calm they are coming up, and I specifically asked Conley about it because he's a veteran and he was on Grizzly teams that went to the playoffs. Sometimes they went out in the first round. Once they went to the Western Conference Final, he won series. He lost series. He's been through a lot of stuff. No one's more qualified to talk about this on this team than Mike Conley. And... You know, he, but on the other hand, you can't say, our conference is rattled, man. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't show weakness. I get it. Um, but the six and the six and the last 12, I find that concerning. And if you don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I find that concerning. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, PK and I have to talk some Cougar football with the draft coming up. Uh, they're moving on to the next generation. And what does that mean? We'll get to that. And then the best of the postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK, the NFL draft is coming up. And Zach Wilson expected to go number two. But as he goes, how much of the success goes out the door with him? We know quarterbacks elevate clubs. So is BYU, Kalani's got it rolling again, or they had an excellent quarterback. He elevated them. But now that he's gone, well, back to square one. Yeah, I don't think they're back to square one. I think that that those days are gone. That cannot be acceptable. Square one. Whatever you define it that as being is not acceptable for this team. You know, I don't know that they're going to compete repeat an 11 and one. Obviously, they'll have a new starting quarterback. The schedule will be much more difficult playing five Pac-12 teams. Hopefully, it is. Hopefully, it comes off as planned. But I think the program is in the best shape that it's been in under Kalani. And obviously, they're coming off the best record. But I think it's deeper than that because I think it's important that they establish themselves as a low bar as a seven-win team. High bar, nine, ten wins. I don't know that they can get much beyond that. Uh, but if you can get into that seven to ten range every season and give kids an opportunity to come to BYU because they want to, not because, well, you know, it's a church school or I did this is my best offer. No, they want to be there. I mean, they've had several offers and it goes beyond the affiliation of the religion, which is important to a lot of people. I'm not discounting that. But the fact that I could play quality football, big-time football on television against a number of great teams over the course of a season, have an opportunity to experience all that, which they didn't. You know, That was one of the reasons, and there was a significant reason why I think the recruiting has taken a hit. And now they have an opportunity to target guys and see where they could develop guys and all that stuff. And so they need to be here to stay. They do need to be here to stay, and I think we've seen enough improvement in other position groups 
that the trend is moving the right direction. I think that 7 to 10 range you're talking about, I would expect lower end of the range this year and higher end next year. I think this schedule is the toughest schedule that they've got going forward for a couple years, and they're breaking in the new quarterback. There's a lot of stuff you can't anticipate, how guys are going to develop and how injuries are going to hit you. And, you know, is the schedule on paper really? I mean, we can look at it and say on paper it's the toughest, but doesn't, you know, tend to turn out that way. But I think setting all that aside, the depth at multiple position groups, the guys who look pretty good at multiple position groups, I would think encourage me that that 7 to 10 range is doable. That is that those are realistic goals. Those expectations are not pie in the sky. You know, they've got Virginia and Baylor and five Pac-12 schools this year, and that doesn't count, uh, you know, playing Boise State and Utah State every year, and we'll see how, you know, coaching changes at both schools. We'll see how good those clubs are. But this, this looks like a pretty pretty good schedule. I don't, think, I don't think it's quite as tough going forward. So if there's seven or eight this year and nine or ten the year after that, uh, I think that makes sense. I think that's, that's a ballpark. That's a reasonable goal, and that's where the expectations ought to be. That can be done. Yeah, I'm not going to give them a pass for breaking in a quarterback this year. I'm not expecting him to be Zach Wilson, but whichever quarterback you choose, uh, unless it's the two younger guys, uh, if it's Romney or Hall, these guys have been in the program for yep. two or three years. And played some games. So, They've been on the field. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romney didn't really get in any meaningful snaps this past season, but obviously the year before, before he, he did, did, and Hall right. did, and Hall didn't, Hall didn't get any. Uh, last year, but that was by design. They knew they had Zach Wilson, and they knew that Jaron Hall had some injuries to recover from, so uh, that was all planned. They, 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 they scoped that out early in the season, that that's what they were going to do, and so they went ahead and did that, and I do believe if he's healthy, he'll be the starter, but he's got to be able to hit the ground running, you know, because that's part of the deal. You've been in the program for a number of years. You should be able to jump in and at least be adequate you know, there's still a little bit of a learning curve. I'll grant you that. But I don't think they should be starting from scratch. You know, obviously in the glory days, that's what they did. You sat for a couple years, and then you got your opportunity, and away you went. And a lot of those guys were NFL guys. I don't know if Hall is that. I haven't seen him play enough. But I expect them to be able to be decent offensively right from the start. And the Nakua brothers really upgrade the talent and receiver. We saw the tight end and Rex have a breakout season last season, so he should be able to get going where mm-hmm. he needs to be. And uh, running backs, I mean, they're returning the running backs, right? Am I missing anybody? Did anybody leave that I'm not aware of? Uh, so they should be good there. Offensive line's a little bit of a hit. I'll grant you that. But, you know, they had a number of guys who played. So I'm expecting the offense to be – good enough to win minimum seven uh, I would look towards eight wins you got any penciled in as uh, sure losses probable losses games you're more worried about you know there tend to be uh, over the course of time with most teams their games like I know they're going to win these I know they're going to lose these how they're going to split these middle games well it's football so anything can happen uh, on any of these games there so if I look at it, you know, Utah is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always tough, and I'm probably picking the Utes until I see otherwise. I want to get some more training camp action next uh, August to uh, before I start making any predictions, you know, get to the week of the game and, and go at that point. But certainly that's going to be a tough game. It just always is. 
but other than that, who uh, Utah, Utah, ASU, and Virginia look like the on paper the three hardest games on the schedule. Why Virginia? They've been pretty good. Broncos got them to a pretty good level. Uh, they weren't that good last season. How much are we? Okay, so this is an interesting thing. How much are we going to write off last season? Baylor had a coaching change. Their program's been pretty good, but they had a coaching change and a bad last year. Now maybe it was circumstances, and we should just write off last year. But I was downgrading, downgrading Baylor Wazoo. Uh, I, there's three teams: Boise State, Utah State, and Arizona, all coming in with coaching changes. It feels like BYU should win at least two of those three games. Maybe they go three and zero, but I think two and one should be the worst case scenario for those three games. You with me? Or are you calling me out? I'm thinking. You know, I like to think for a good ten minutes. Before I react. <laughs> Everyone, sit quietly and discuss with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that you know, you look at Virginia; they lost a quarterback who was very dynamic. And, I, and we don't follow them close enough. I certainly don't follow them close enough to know, you know, we'll get into this. That's why we do the spring football tour with the Jazz being better. We backed off that a little bit. But as far as, you know, are they vulnerable at key position groups where, you know, an O-line or a D-line is really down. You had a chance to control the line of scrimmage. And that's the kind of stuff you have a little better feel with. Uh, with Pac-12 teams because you follow those teams, and that's where I'm I'm a little off the off the map here with Virginia and Baylor. I mean Baylor's two and seven with Charlie Brewer transferring. We've dug into that a little more, uh, so I've got my doubts. I mean they do have to go to Baylor, um, whereas they get Virginia traveling cross country in October. That's less than ideal, and I haven't seen you know is that going to follow a, or precede a big game for Virginia? You know, when you start playing teams are in their deep into their conference season, you always wonder how that falls. Are you coming in after a bye week? You know, and it's early. I haven't dug into all of that. We'll have all that down pat later. But yeah, I don't. I don't think Virginia's all that. I mean, the ACC sucks. And each time you look at uh, two years ago, if you want to blow off this year and go back to the year before. Yeah, they went 9-5, uh, and five, right? I mean, and get blown they, out they, by they, Clemson they, and then in the yeah, bowl game. just basically beat the teams they're supposed to beat, mm-hmm. which is an improvement for Virginia. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But it's not like they scare me. To They're the best team on the schedule. I mean, I don't see that at all. Uh, and I could be wrong. I'm not uh, whether it's the Jazz could be 0-50, and, and I still wouldn't be following Virginia in April. <laughs> so... Jazz have nothing has nothing to do with what the Jazz are doing there. Uh, USC at the end of the year. How's this going to go for USC? Are they going to have their big year, and that's just a humongous game for SC, and they're rolling, and they're on their way to the playoff finally. They're back where they belong, and they're going to be really tough. Or we've seen some SC seasons unravel, and by the end of the year, they're just trying to get to the end of the year and get out of Dodge. I don't even know what to think of that game by then. Oh, I think it's going to be tough if you. You got to go there. So let's see. Utah has never won there, right? And all of a sudden, you're down. So you're setting up BYU if they win. Well, yeah, SC had a down year. No, not at all. I mean, SC may have a huge year. Well, it doesn't matter. I thought SC was loaded when BYU went down there the last time. What's that been? Fifteen years? Seventeen years? Utah's never won there. All right. So the point is, if Utah can't do it, if BYU does it, I don't care if SC's zero and ten. Take it. That's a take it a run, baby. Yeah. You recruit SoCal and you beat USC. Don't explain away their season. Right. So, yeah. But I do think that the how tough that game is, and you're, and you're right, Don't if you win, you win, and you got it. But I just don't know what to expect out of SC this year. 
Why? I would expect them to be very good. <laughs> you They'll know, be the favorites to win the division. Why. They will be. They will be. I totally believe that. They'll be picked to win the division. And I've already read people writing that they're going to be picked to win the division and they're going to finish third behind both Utah and ASU. Well, that people could all over the map too. on them. But but at that point, we won't have to be worried about preseason expectations. The season will already be over, uh, conference season at that point anyway. So we'll know exactly what they're going to be. But until I hear otherwise, I'm expecting them to be very good. You you got any gimme W's on the schedule aside from Georgia Southern and Idaho State? Uh, You should beat Arizona. Uh, Why wouldn't you beat South Florida? You should beat Utah State. Yeah, so that's I'm, I'm up to five right there. Five, baby. Well, then seven's really doable if you just have to go two and five in the other seven. Yeah, I, I know. That's, uh, I, that's why you're saying seven or eight in a down year, nine or ten in a big one. Well, I'm expecting in the eight range. And that's pre-bowl game, right? Eight and four going to a bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Have, yeah. I don't even count the bowl. I'm not worried about the bowl game. I don't know who they're going to Who are they going to play and then who's playing yeah, because so. guys opt out on both yeah, teams. Yeah, so – Bowl's not even on my mind. I mean, just their schedule this season. I think that uh, the the three teams that are expected to finish one, two, and three in the Pac-12 South figure to be their toughest games. Utah and ASU weeks two and three, and those are both um, those are both home games. And yeah, then USC on the road in the season finale. That's just going to be a real tough game. Yeah, so. Uh, see where they're at, but they've they've got to go down to Vegas and get that first game. Set the uh, tone. Arizona's breaking in a new everything. And they're right. Big, they're Arizona. What they're, they're what we heard with the spring game is Gronk caught a football from a. That a is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. The highlight of the football game was bringing in a guy who was there more than a decade ago to catch a football out of a helicopter. Yeah. And good for Fish, the coach, generates some enthusiasm. He's got everybody excited mm-hmm. because he had his honorary coaches. He had Fish and Teddy Bruschi. Uh, or uh, Fish had Gronk and Teddy Bruschi. Now, those are probably their two most prominent ones still active. And the other is noteworthy because he's on ESPN and he looks good at all times. <laughs> Every hair is in place. And they hired him as like a consultant, even though he'll still live in the Boston area. So, I mean, they're desperate for anything. And so, uh, I, and I thought we were in a pandemic. They didn't have any problem rushing him and running up and hugging him and all. I mean, it just, if, it, if it's an acceptable cause, this pandemic deal doesn't really seem to matter as much. Meanwhile, kids in states can't go to school. But nevertheless, that's my own little political uh, rant on that. And, the, and they all gathered around Gronk at midfield and celebrated as if he's just done something noteworthy. Uh, but the point being, in Arizona is not a good football program, and they had their quarterback who looked like he was going to be worth something. He took off, so they're starting from scratch. And Fish has come in, and and he's he's generated enthusiasm because he's been an upbeat, positive guy. And the last two guys they had weren't. He hasn't coached a game, but he's not the other guys, so things are looking good. <laughs> that's what that's what we're going on. So beat them on a neutral field to open the yeah. season. They should that's, drill them. That's beat the, the crap mantra. out of them. Nice. Last time, Arizona seventy to was seven, the field, baby. <laughs> they lost by sixty-three points. I see no reason why you don't beat them by at least fifty-two. And, and then uh, the Utes. How'd you pick that number? <laughs> uh, because the you know it's a rivalry, so you're not going to get that fired yeah. up to uh, beat them by sixty-four. Uh, so Utes are going to be tough. ASU's going to be tough. I could see a one and two start. 
but that doesn't necessarily deter me. So if you bounce back and beat USF and Utah State, you're three and two with Boise State coming to town. At some point, isn't Boise State going to make a wrong hire and take a dip here? I mean, they have. I mean, can you even name all the coaches? Have they had five straight no, hires but, but, or six? But what straight difference hires? does that make? They've beaten them the last two times. So take them down no matter I what. I don't care who Boise State's coach is. You should be better than Boise State. You're two and zero in the last two games against these guys. I'm not going to afford Boise State something that they don't earn. Four and two going to Baylor. Yeah. Why not? I'd be disappointed otherwise. I wouldn't normally pick a team to win back-to-back road games. They do have uh, Baylor and Washington State on the road on consecutive weeks. Five and three with Virginia coming to town. Gives you a chance to beat them, beat Idaho State, Georgia Southern. Eight and three going to USC. I can see that. That's not outrageous at all. Hey, if you believe the program is in good shape, then that's what you would think. Do the BYU coaches sign off on that right now? Of course, they don't get no. to, so this is hypothetical. No. No, no, they're greedy. They want nine and two. Oh, no, you don't concede any loss. Why would you do what, what team on this schedule can't you beat? I would say no one. Well, there are people in their cars right now screaming, Utah, obviously. Utah, 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 and Utah is it. Other than that, no. SC at SC, as you said, even the no, Utes. You said eight there. and three, dog. Yes. You didn't say the SC game. That's true, I didn't. So you asked I've me if a, I sign off at eight and three. I did do a little bait and switch there. I'll just have to plead guilty <laughs> to that. I looked for a way to squirm out of it, but I, I really can't. So No, the losses we had were Utah and ASU at home and then splitting at Baylor and Wazoo on consecutive road games. No bye week or anything to cushion that blow. So, yeah, and I'm not sure what's going to be with Washington State. They got the the one kid, the starting quarterback, is DUI. He's out of the program, but this is the time to be suspended from the program. Uh, so my guess is he'll be there. But they also got the, uh, the Tennessee kid, the quarterback there. He transferred over for uh, Washington State. So uh, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback when they face him on October 23rd. It's obviously a long ways away, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But that should be a you should have a decent chance to win, because at that point, certainly, if Jaron Hall is your starter and he's healthy, at that point in the season, it's out the door as far as uh, you're breaking in a quarterback. Six games into it, you're not breaking in a quarterback. No, especially one who's a junior and has been in the program yep. for three years. And there's a accomplished guy behind him. If there's that many problems, you probably have moved on to the other guy. Yeah, I think so, one problem would be injury. Well, that's a separate problem, but that would be the biggest one. Yes, and hopefully for his sake, that's not the case. He's not injured. He's got his health. Uh, let the chips fall as long as everybody's healthy, and whoever deserves to be out on the field, that's who they'll put out on the field for sure. So I think all those games, and and I get Utah, you haven't beaten them, and there's something there. I don't know if they've got a little bit of a you know a um, psychological thing, whatever it might be. And there's a lot of pressure on BYU to win that game because then they don't play them for a couple of years, right? Right, they don't. <laughs> so and I I don't think that uh, you know last time they didn't play them for a couple of years, at least they got a bowl game one of the years. But I think with the bowl games getting restructured. Never say never, but I think it's less likely. So we'll see how that plays out. But you're right. I wouldn't expect them to meet the next two.
So, man, if you don't beat them this year, then that's 21. You can, next chance is 24. Holy freak. <laughs> We're going a long ways away. We're getting out there. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of pressure on them. It's a home game uh, to get that opportunity there. And, you know, you will have beaten a Pac-12 team. Utah will have beaten Weber. Probably don't see a whole lot there in that one. So, and I think they can win the ASU game. A lot of hype around the Sun Devils, and the Sun Devils don't tend to do well when there's a lot of hype. Like to uh, sneak up on everybody. Uh, the rare time that they do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they do that often, but you were the only one that picked a 10-win season that last time. Believe me, I did not pick a 10-win season. You, you literally you, were the only one. <laughs> you always make this up and twist it like I twisted that USC game. Plead guilty. Plead guilty. For some reason, you are... Watching a game while you went to a concert, I said they're behind a cow, but they're getting eight <laughs> yards every time they run the ball. They're going to come back and win this. And they did. And you had them up. Well, you can't. So the, the ghost of Dan Sheldon has really haunted you. Because I never, obviously, he popped off for Florida, and that got under your skin. I don't pop off. Well, that's different. Yes, <laughs> that is different. I, I know. And I don't understand why, whether I predicted it or not, you wouldn't celebrate it. Who cares what anybody predicted, man? You guys won. Uh, it's, celebrate. It's a football game. Arizona State, we will not have a huge read on them coming in. They play Southern Utah and UNLV before they play BYU. So there's no no big game to help get a read on there. You would assume that they would be 2-0 and looking pretty good yeah. when they're in BYU. And their, their season is going to be based on their conference anyway. Yeah, uh, They're not going to go to the playoff. The idea is to win and have an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. That's what they're looking for. Not to downgrade the game. But even if they lose, their goals could still be accomplished. But that's a winnable game for the Cougars. I mean, Herm is so likable. He everybody just loves him. But yet, against Division One competition, he's fifteen and thirteen. So uh, there you go. Until they prove it, you talk about the Jazz haven't proven much. Well, that's who the Devils are uh, right now. They haven't proven much. Uh, we expect them to be good, but they haven't proven much. So we'll see. That's a winnable game for them. It's also a losable game, too. Uh, maybe this is the year that uh, the Sun Devils actually break out and do what uh, people think they're capable of doing. I mean, obviously, I hope so, and I hope they win that game. I'm not denying it. Uh, but until they do it, a little bit of trepidation there. And Daniels didn't have a good season, but last season was so screwy. I can't say, oh, they didn't have a good season and he wasn't good enough. I just when you when you start a, a game and then you go three weeks or four weeks without playing another game and you can't practice most of that time, I'm not going to sign any analysis on that. That's so unfair. This season, that's more realistic. But BYU has a great opportunity. They go three and zero with three Pac-12 wins. They're in the top twenty-five. When we come back, the Utah Jazz, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The rematch, the best of the postgame show on the way. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the best of the postgame show. As the Utah Jazz fall to the Minnesota Timberwolves in frighteningly familiar fashion. It was the exact, well, wasn't the exact same script, but it was 95% the same as Saturday. It was deja vu all over again. Thank you, Yogi Berra. All right, here's Jake with the postgame wrap. Tough loss for the Utah Jazz last night to the Timberwolves in Minneapolis. It's your Jazz game night recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Jake Scott with you, 105 to 104 was your final. The Jazz have now lost two consecutive games to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Jazz could not throw the ball in the ocean, struggled shooting it. They were 39% from the field, 28% from three, 16 of 57. Jazz were led by Mike Conley, who had 26 points, uh, seven assists, and nine rebounds. Mike hit a three with six seconds to go to put the Jazz up one within a defensive miscue uh, with Rudy Gobert in the final seconds. Gives D'Angelo Russell a layup, and the Jazz end up losing this one by one, as I mentioned, 105 to 104. You'll hear a conversation, uh, a lot of talk in the postgame sound about that final defensive play. And uh, stay tuned. Rudy's comments on it uh, are, are interesting as he talks about exactly what happened. In fact, let's get to the postgame sound. Let's start off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We'll go ahead and get started. Um, first question will come from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. So obviously um, you guys had that great comeback near the end and then uh, the defensive breakdown on Minnesota's final offensive possession. Can you kind of just explain uh, what happened there? Well, to really comment on, I will, yes, in a second. I, I think, you know, to have a game where we were shooting the ball, you know, we weren't shooting it well, um, but we knew how important what it was for us to, you know, to take those shots. Um, you know, that was something that, that, that mitigates, you know, us turning the ball over. I mean, we had 20 turnovers the other night. Um, so to have a situation where we – you know, we weren't making, but we continued to shoot. And we also found other ways to get to the rim. Um, I thought is, is, is an important thing for our team to, to understand. Um, and then to be able to hang into the game um, by defending um, and also defensive rebound. You know, a couple of the things that have been, um, you know, very difficult for us and challenging have been taking care of the ball and, and rebounding the ball. Um, so to stay in the game like that, and then as you said, you know, to have a chance, um, you know, to get back into the game and execute, you know, the way we did down the stretch up until, you know, that last play, and you know there was a miscommunication, like Mike switched out, and Rudy went back to Towns, and it shook free for for a bucket. So, uh, you know, as I said, those we want to, we wish it were different. Um, and it's hard not to dwell on one play, obviously, when it's that impactful. But I, I think for us to put ourselves in this situation, this isn't—I'm um, not. This isn't a moral victory, but this is specific to how I think our team, the mentality that we have to have in order to be successful. And obviously, we have to—you know—we have to close. All right. Next question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. I think it's I think it's fair to say it's concern in Jazzland after losing two games to you know not one of the best teams in the league. Um, where is your level of concern with this team after this this stretch? Um, 
You know, I, I think, you know, the things I said, you know, earlier, Andy, um, you know, I, I think are important. Um, you know, I don't know what, what our percentage was from three. It obviously wasn't good. I think, you know, we shoot 40% in the season. And, you know, if you keep shooting, the, the law of averages catches up. And, you know, unfortunately, it didn't catch all the way up tonight, but it did enough for us to be right there. And, you know, the NBA is the NBA. And, and they're, they've played very well. Um, I thought the way that we played the first game – you know, I was disappointed. And tonight, obviously, there's things you'd like to do better. Um, but as I said, the, the, the things that cost us the game um, the other night were, were things that we addressed. So, um, you know, to the extent there's there's always, you know, I, I don't know if concern would be the word that I would choose to use. Um, but certainly, you know, you, you want to win. And But Minnesota's, you know, they played hard. They're young. They're aggressive. They came to play. They competed. You know, they've got, you know, are one of the best, one of the best players in the league in towns. And, you know, Russell had a, thought the first half, you know, Russell's shot making um, was a hard thing to absorb when, when we were missing. So I, I'm, I'd be concerned if we didn't compete, you know, and I'd like to have executed better on the last two possessions. Um, but again, that's, you know, that's something that, that we have to do the same way, you know, I mentioned the other night, we have to rebound and we have to take care of the ball. So, um, you know, this entire season is about getting better. And, you know, that's what, if, if, if games like this can help you get better, um, you obviously would rather win. Um, but that's been what we've been trying to do the whole season. And uh, so that, that, would, that would be how I would, I would answer that. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team loses by 1, 105-104 to to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, let's now get to the players. Let's hear from Rudy Gobert. Okay, we'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, just what happened on that last play with you and Mike on the miscommunication? Uh, it's totally on me. You know, um it was already out there. We kind of, we kind of, we, we switched, and uh, I should have recognized that. You know, it's just uh, he did what he was supposed to do, uh, and uh, I didn't. So, two hundred percent on me. Were you guys going into that play knowing that you wanted to switch? No, we. I mean, the goal was for me to, you know, at first I'd stay with Towns, but uh, on that situation we had to, and I called the, you know, I. Called for the black, so we had to, yeah, he did, Mike did exactly what he was supposed to do, and uh, I didn't, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's one of those plays, when you watch the replay, you just, uh, just, you just feel down, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but uh, 100% on me, sure. All right, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Rudy, we've talked before about the struggles against teams that are physical or have length, um, whether it's this team or the Suns last game, what are you seeing there and how do you battle that and best approach that going forward? No, well, I think we, I don't think it's about the way they play. I mean, you want to give them credit, you know, they, they play hard and, and they try to take away our, you know, our, take away the rim and, and shift and give, give up, our, let us shoot threes. And, 
you know, we did a great job making shots, you know, in the first quarter, and then we we had a little slump, but we, you know, we knew that if we kept, you know, moving the ball, sharing the ball, and, uh, you know, kept playing defense and try to put pressure on the rim, we were going to be back in the game. And, you know, we fell back, we got back in the game, we got a, we got a chance to win the game, you know, so uh, we're going to watch film, you know, a lot of things to look at, but for us, it was uh, definitely a great, you know, a great test, for sure. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy. Um, Quinn went with you, Urson, and George, and that kind of that big lineup. What did you like about that tonight? I mean, the, I think we did a great job. First of all, Urson did a great job knocking down shots. And when uh, when you got guys like him, George, that can space the floor offensively, it really, uh, it really helps. You know, it helps uh, our guys put pressure on the rim and me uh, to put pressure on, on the rim. Uh, defensively, you know, I think George uh, did a great job tonight. Elsan uh, too, when he was on the floor. So, you know, it's probably something that we we might see more often. Okay, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, what's your level of concern after losing back-to-back games to a Timberwolves team that's not been very good against many other teams? Uh, none. You know, I think... Uh, I would be concerned if you were giving up 140 points or something like that, like we did a few times, uh, probably one time this year. You know, uh, I think, you know, having the, every team got some tough games, you know, and sometimes we, tonight, if, uh, if I don't have the last play defensively, we, we end up on a win. We end up winning the game, you know. It's never going to be all, you know, uh, it's never going to be all good and all bad. You know, we just got to find ways to, put ourselves in a position to win every night. And, uh, you know, I thought we did that tonight. I thought we did that last game. You know, we, even though we had some adversity and we, you know, we turned them all over, we still found a way to keep the game close, you know. So, you know, for us, every night is a, is a, is a way for us to improve. And uh, we know that, uh, you know, obviously we, we're going to need to get Donovan back soon. But, uh, you know, uh, for us, every night is an opportunity to get better. And, you know, teams, some teams are playing with no pressure. You know, they're just playing free. Uh, they're just having fun, you know. And uh, and those teams, we every year is the same. You know, at the end of the season, uh, those teams are always the hardest to play against because they're just playing free. So we got to stay focused, keep getting better, and uh, keep defending. Okay, last question. Tim McMahon, ESPN. Hey, Rudy. I know you've mentioned that uh, health is, is the top priority. But how important is the number one seed to you guys? And, you know, with the Suns playing as well as they are, how are you feeling about that situation at this point? You know, uh, I was saying for us, it would be great to have it. But if we don't, you know, the most important is to keep getting better and come into the playoff playing, playing great basketball, you know, and, uh, and know who we are, know our identity. And I think, you know, uh, obviously being healthy is very important. But, uh, yeah, just keep taking it one game at a time, you know, help try to win every game, but, uh, you know, keep getting better. There's Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy with 18 points, only five rebounds from Rudy, three block shots. Uh, he talked about that last play with Mike Conley, Rudy taking uh, 100% uh, 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 accountability for the mistake there. Talked about how Mike Conley uh, switched when he was supposed to. He was doing his job, and Rudy uh, did not uh, make the right decision. In fact, uh, sounded embarrassed, said he uh, he looked dumb on the replay. And so Rudy 
you know, takes those types of things to heart. That's for sure. All right. Let's now hear from Mike Conley. We'll go ahead and get started. First up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike, first off, can you kind of just take us through um, from your perspective what happened on each of those last two plays, first on the defensive miscommunication and then uh, on the subsequent offensive play? Um, well, I think it was just that. You know, there was somewhere lost in the, you know, a translation of, uh, you know, I assumed that it was a black and and uh, we called a black star switch. Uh, and I got out on to, to cat, you know, try to push him out half court. Um, and then you know, I looked behind me and uh, Russ is, is laying it up. So I don't, I didn't really see what happened behind me, but um, I guess, you know, Rudy got mixed up there along the way. And, uh, we gave that one up. And then on the other end, you know, we were supposed to uh, just kind of clear the court open and, you know, create a one-on-one situation. And uh, it got crowded there. Rudy came up and, and uh, you know, try to make a, uh, a play. There's nowhere to go. So this was a tough, uh, tough two-play stretch for us, and we got to be better in this situation. All right, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. The last couple, of, last couple of games, when you kind of when your offense slows down and you can't make a shot, and it feels like it's a real struggle out there. Like what? Uh, when you watch that game on film um, from Saturday, from Saturday, and the kind of uh, your initial impressions of what happened today, what is the cause of, of the offense kind of stagnating like it did? Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to say sometimes. You know, we're uh, you know we're a team that relies on you know our guys making uh, making open shots, you know, shooting open shots, um, and creating for each other. And uh, you know, we've had opportunities in the last two games. You know, we've uh, had, had uncharacteristic, you know, type performances from, from a lot of people. Um, and, and, and a lot of us have, you know, probably watched the film and sat back and thought about every shot we've taken. and um, Wish we have them back because, we're you know, they're, they're good looks and uh, we should take them every single time. And, and when we struggle like that, it's just, you know, we just got to keep fighting through it. You know, keep trying to get stops defensively and, uh, you know, just keep pushing, uh, pushing the tempo and trying to trying to create some offense. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Mike, we talked about some of those common themes, the turnovers, but you guys clean that up tonight. But what do you see you can do better against teams that come at you with a lot of physicality and length? Well, yeah, um, you know, we have to we have to combat combat that with the same type of physicality. We cannot just you know take every punch and take every elbow, take every push, and and you know look at the ref or so to bail us out, you know, we have to stand up, stand our ground, uh, be aggressive, be physical, uh, and just kind of grind games out. This is that time of the year where, you know, teams are going to be gunning for us regardless of their situation or our situation. So um, every night's going to be a dogfight. And, uh, and, and we got to realize that from the, from the time the, the jump ball starts to the, to the last uh, second of the fourth quarter. So uh, just keep grinding. All right, last question, David James, KUTV. Mike, you've been through a, a lot of NBA seasons here, so just a little perspective on where you think the team's confidence is right now and and where you go forward from here. I, I think we're still very confident. Like I said, you know, we've had some uncharacteristic nights. Um, one turned the ball over, you know, guys not shooting it well. Um, you know, just, just nights that, that – 
you know, we'll look back and, and realize that they made us better as a team. They made us better as a whole because we're going through, you know, we went through the last two games. We went through a lot in those, in those you know, between the one first quarter and the fourth quarter of uh, highs and lows. And tonight we were in a game where we were down and came back at the end and, and it came down to two possessions. So um, we're learning. We're learning and they're great lessons for us going into the playoffs and uh, hopefully – you know, we're getting them out now, you know, before we get to the time we're playing, you know, better competition. There's Mike Conley, 26 points, seven assists, nine rebounds from Mike. A couple of turnovers down the stretch. You heard him talk about that that uh, did not help, including the uh, last play of the game where he got it poked out from behind by Ricky Rubio. But uh, Mike with the big three that put him up one with six seconds to go, but not quite enough as Jazz lose to the Timberwolves 105-104. to 104. Up next, Jazz take on the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night in Sacramento. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. The top of the Western Conference did not cover themselves in glory. Well, one player did, and he dragged one team to it. But it was a rough day. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Ricky struggling to get it in. Here's D'Lo all alone to the rim. The layup. Good! With 4.2 seconds left. He cut back door. Nobody stayed with him. D'Lo puts the Wolves up by one. 105-104. How do you like that? Conley with it. Out by midcourt. Off the Gobert screen. Lost the ball. McDaniels has it to Rubio. The ball game is over. And for the first time in franchise history, the Wolves have swept the Jazz in a season series. They win the home and home. They're 3-0 against Utah this year. The best team in the NBA. And the Wolves rally back from 18 down to stun the Jazz again. A lot of sequels blow. This one certainly did. Deja vu all over again. Jazz start off really well. Offense seizes up in the middle of the game. Late rally gives them a one-point lead. And then they lose right at the end. PK, I've seen this movie. Stop it. Make it stop. I can't. They have to, man. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dang it. Yeah, I don't know about back door. I thought that was a front door, and it was wide open. <laughs> it was a wide open front door. Yeah. As Rudy put it so eloquently after the game, if I don't bleep up, we win that game. Yeah, I don't buy that, though. Well, I think... there's, a, I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of plays, but he, he did kind of bleep up there. Yeah, but I, I think you win as a team and lose as a team. Was I blame everyone. Was the coaching... Yeah. Did they specifically say, okay, if they do this, you make sure you do that? Was was it – and maybe it was. And maybe it was on Rudy. But I believe you win as a team, lose as a team. I think that's a cliche, cliche obviously, but I think it's true. Uh, so, Rudy, I, I respect him to, to put the blame on him himself. But did everybody, when they broke the huddle, were they absolutely sure 100% what they were doing? I don't know that. But I think that everybody needs to be held accountable, not just one individual. Well, certainly other individuals had lots of plays throughout the fourth quarter. Well, if not the whole game, but certainly in the fourth quarter where they could have made a difference. So it wasn't that play. What happened two minutes earlier that you could have done that could have changed things. So 
That part's all true, but the Jazz, it is what it is. They've now lost back-to-back games to the Timberwolves. They've been swept in the three-game series, and they're going to Sacramento to play the Kings, who are, after a long, bad stretch, playing a little better themselves and won three out of five. Eight o'clock game tomorrow night. We got more on this Jazz loss. A lot of you reacting to it, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. Hashtag NBA. Davis, three. Got it! Is that his first one in a while? AD, it's his first one in a long time. Harris on the drive against Baisley, spins back to the middle, jumps it out to Joel. Embiid for three, it's in the air, and good. Bottom by Joel Embiid. Paul still on the dribble, crosses over in front of Bullock, fires a three. He got it straight away. Chris Paul back-to-back buzzer beaters at the shot clock, and he gets face-to-face with Devin Booker, rejoicing as the Suns take an eight-point lead with 13 seconds to go. Phoenix Suns move within one game of the Jazz. They end the next nine-game win streak, 118-110. Chris Paul, big shots down the stretch. Booker had 33, and the Suns are only one back. So showing some toughness, last game of a road trip and all that stuff. And they got the win against a not a great team, but certainly a really hot team. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Paul, a couple of amazing shots, the one with the shot clock and then the three-pointer, and they were down. They were down big in the first quarter against a team that's really hot and a team that's thinking, hey, we're, we're something special here. We're certainly the best Knicks team in a good long while, and we're not only just going to make the playoffs, we got a chance to win, and all that stuff psychologically was in their favor, but yet the Suns found a way. Devin Booker early with his scoring was sensational, and as I said, Chris Paul, they really just a great, great win for them. Clippers did not keep pace with the Suns. They got beat in New Orleans 120-103. to Paul George has had a bunch of big games. This wasn't one of them, and Kawhi Leonard obviously has been out for a while. Yeah, I just the, the Clippers are just biding time into the postseason. So Jazz by a game over the Suns and two over the Clips right now. Uh, Kings won last night. Jazz will be in Sacramento tomorrow. Kings beat the Mavericks 113-106. The Mavericks have been making a a nice climb up the standings, but uh, they gave one away right there. Sure, on paper they looked at that and thought they ought to get that, but they didn't. Lakers had a big early lead, blew it in the middle of the game, and then came back to win 114-103. Dennis Schroeder with 21-10 as the Lakers Beat the Orlando Magic, a team they, they should have beaten, but they, they messed around there in the middle of the game, but they, they finally got it figured out. Yeah, Anthony Davis played extended minutes. That's what I took from that game. And the Wizards, who had an eight-game winning streak, second longest in the league to the Knicks, they fall to San Antonio 146-143, putting up some massive numbers there. Both teams over 140. Good grief. It's almost a 300-point wow. game. Yeah, that was incredible. One look of attention to it. Houston Rockets guard John Wall is likely to miss the remainder of the season with a right hamstring strain, according to Rockets general manager Raphael Stone. Clippers signed DeMarcus Cousins for the remainder of the year. He completed back-to-back 10-day contracts. DJ PK. Hashtag NFL. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us. 
Kyle Shanahan asked if he could guarantee quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo would be on the roster Sunday, obviously after the draft ends, three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Will he be part of a draft day trade? And Shanahan didn't go anywhere near that, so he just considered, you know, I guess mass extinction, right? Uh, we could all be gone. Any of us could be said, gone. Well, that's, that's, that's just two different one things. person. Yes. I mean, you're so dramatic. Hey, I'm not the one who started opening up the possibility of you know, people dying off. I just got caught up in it. So well. I got caught up in it. Yeah, that, that, that's you to an extent right there. That, that's the beauty of you. Don't blame me. Packers GM says the franchise is committed to Aaron Rodgers despite not having restructured or extending his deal. Aaron's our guy. He's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. We're excited about the kind of things we're going to try to accomplish here over the next couple of years. Rodgers has no guaranteed money left on his current deal. Seems like it's going to be a messy end at some point, PK, but win isn't exactly clear. They're going to put guaranteed money on the deal. Feel like they need to. Wonder how much Rodgers will hold them up and how messy this will get. As messy as he wants it to get. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Representative Anthony Gonzalez, a former Ohio State football player, reintroduced on Monday a bipartisan bill that would give college athletes the right to earn money through endorsements and sponsorship deals. He's a Republican from Ohio. He partnered up with a Democrat from Missouri, Emanuel Cleaver, and they co-sponsored the Student Athlete Level Playing Field Act. Really rolled off the tongue there. (laughs) The SALPFA. The S-A-L-P-F-A. Let's make it into a word. The SALPFA. The unpronounceable acronym. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about it. Get after it already. Endorsements and sponsorship deals. So, name, image, and likeness. We have been talking about it for a while. And seven women filed a federal class action lawsuit against LSU and its leadership with the university's former president and AD, as well as its athletic fundraising group, among those named as defendants. According to the 118-page document, the women attending the Baton Rouge campus at some point from 2013 to 2021 were all victims of sex-based discrimination, including rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment, and or stalking perpetrated by male LSU students. Doesn't say most of them were scholarship athletes and football players, but I think that's where we're going, and I think that's why the athletic fundraising group gets, gets mentioned in this. Uh, if all is true, there should be outrage, and I want to see people on social media and all this stuff coming strong after this. I mean, if you want to be a social justice warrior, uh, this isn't a buffet. You don't get to pick and choose, man. You got to go all in. And if this stuff is true, then absolutely there should be all sorts of outrage because it's completely and totally 100% unacceptable. Lawsuits tend to move pretty pretty, uh, slowly, but this is built up over a period of time. That's why 2013 to 2021 gets named in this. I expect it'll play out over a period of time, but sounds like they're in it for the long haul. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Now the 1-1. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. Lynn is back. 
Still going back, and it is gone! A game-winning walk-off two-run home run for Jordan Luplo. Swing, there's a high drive to center. Daza going back, still going back, all the way back to the wall. Adios! Pelota! It would not come down. Just to the right of the 391 marker and out of here with plenty to spare. The fifth home run of the year for Buster Posey. Hammered left center field and Winker got all of it. Back to the wall and gone. Two-run shot by Jesse Winker and the Reds have taken a 5-3 lead. Opposite field juice from the Reds' two-hole hitter. Highlights around the major leagues. You just heard the Reds beating the Dodgers. Led most of the game. Dodgers tied it up, but the Reds win it in the 10th. Jesse Winker with the 10th inning home run. Dodgers, after losing three out of four of the Padres, open up the series with a loss to Cincinnati. Also in there, you heard the Giants blowing out the Rockies. 12-zip. Buster Posey with the home run in there. The Rockies shut out on three hits. Anthony DeScalfani with the shutout, the complete game. PK, so rare, and yet there is one right there for you. Yeah, less than 100 pitches, too. Kansas City playing well early. They complete a sweep of Detroit, 3-2. They're winning two out of three games right now, off to a 14-7 start. And Shohei Otani striking out nine, driving in a couple runs, scoring three times, picks up his first win on the mound. Angels beat the Rangers 9-4. to I don't know how long his arm can throw some of those breaking pitches. He's had, had to be shut down here and had multiple injuries. But, man, I, some of the clips I saw from that game, his breaking stuff, that stuff was moving. I don't know mm. what he's doing to his arm, but that was doing impressive. Doing nothing. It's strengthening it. Quit being a baby. <laughs> okay. Angels back over 500. They're 11 and 10 now. So, three games behind Oakland, who's, who's rolling in that division. All right, there's what is trending. Those are your headlines brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, your reaction to the Utah Jazz and yet another loss to the Timberwolves. We'll get into that. Shane Young, NBA columnist, analyst for Forbes Sports, is going to join us at 7.30. Big T, Thurl Bailey at 9. Stay with us. This is 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Rubio's going to inbound. Towns is at the free throw line. The top of the circle between the circles is Russell marked by Conley. Rubio inbounds. Rubio holding. Rubio finds Russell who lays it up and in. The Jazz broke down defensively on a back cut by D'Angelo Russell. Nobody guarded him and he laid it up and in uncontested. 
Were they supposed to be switching all over the floor? I mean, what was going on here? Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert miscommunicate. Hot Takes of Toast, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. So there it is, PK, the final play. Booner asking the question, what was going on there? And those two did miscommunicate, Conley and Gobert. I think they were supposed, from, from what we heard in the postgame, I think they were supposed to be switching everything. But Conley had a look on his face like, man, this guy's going to shoot over me. Because with the switch... The big guy, or little guy screening for a big guy. He had Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy hesitated. And so Conley went and handled the, the switch, and then Rudy went to get him, and, well, that leaves a guy wide open because Conley doesn't know at that point, and they were too far apart. and Nothing left to do but take the ball out the bottom of the net after giving up an uncontested lay-in. No, let uh, Towns shoot over you. So what? Well, he had it going there in the fourth quarter, but I think you're right. I think that was the plan. Better to have him shoot over it than get caught up trying to get through a screen. So, uh, How many threes did he make in the fourth quarter? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look well, that up. How do you know he had it going on? I mean, I don't think he had that good of a game. Keep hearing about their players and how athletic they are and this and that. I don't, I don't, the Towns had an average game as far as I was concerned. He was doing nothing special there. And Quinn, what does that mean? This season is about getting better? So they got better? No. But making the mistakes and then learning from them will make them better, theoretically. Really? We've got that a two-time is... All-Star, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, yep. and a 33-year-old. Yep. And we haven't figured that out yet? Nope. <laughs> Clearly haven't figured it out. <laughs> That's the one thing I can tell you for sure. So is next season about that competing is, at a high level continuously? That has or is been, it always about getting better? That has been Quinn's answer all year long. When they're on winning streaks or when they're about to take over the top spot, we're just trying to get better. And if they start losing, we're just trying to get better. Well, uh, his, his been his, when does that end? His go-to. When they get to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's why he made the reference about a week ago. The playoffs are the final exam. You know, And these okay. are all quizzes along the way. Well, then that's the great thing about it is that they'll have Mitchell back by then and they'll be ready to go. So let's not sweat these things. It's no big deal now. Yeah, I can't quite bring myself to say it's no big deal now and not sweat them. Your choice and the choice of the individual fan. Absolutely. I believe in that. So you have that right to whatever words you want to use, whatever level of obsession you have. And it doesn't look like the one seed is going to going to happen. The Suns aren't going away. And the Jazz are struggling without Mitchell. It doesn't look like well, listening to Locke's thing that he does on the uh, postgame stuff. He said the Jazz aren't going to have Mitchell on Friday. So they haven't beaten the Suns with Mitchell doesn't make me think they can beat him without him. Maybe they can. But if that's not any reason to sweat and you're just getting better and then when the final exam comes, you're ready to go, I'm all for it. I've got no problem with it. I don't think the concern right now for Jazz fans is just that game. It's the most recent thing. It's uh, the back-to-back losses even. 6-6 six and six in the last 12 now. It's just not trending up. And 12 games is a pretty good sample size. 
three to four weeks of, well, not four weeks of basketball, the way they're playing this year, but three weeks of basketball and you've been a 500 team. And yeah. stuff happens, but that's a pretty good sample size. And I know games get away, but we were looking at the schedule like this schedule's pretty easy through this run here, and they are uh, making a mess of it. Okay. So that's you got eleven. About, you, got a, about that. you got eleven games left to figure it out to get Mitchell healthy and figure it out. Learn whatever lessons have to be learned. So they had it figured out, but now they don't have it figured out. Oh, I think it feels like they have it figured out when they're winning nine in a row, or nine in a row, or then, eleven in a row. <laughs> then what happened that they became less intelligent? That is an excellent question, PK. I mean, I mean you can't the win them all. Guy. You can't. You can't win them all. You're going to lose some. You know, everybody messes up some at some point. I mean, to this point, and you're right about the way the one seed is trending, but to this point, they've still messed up fewer than anybody else. But you're supposed to be getting better later in the season. Okay, that's so been the whole goal, and they're, yeah. not, they're not getting better later all in right. the season. That's all. You've, all, you've, you've outlined the, the concept. Now let's get to the point. What aren't they doing that they were doing? I mean, all that stuff Shooting, you just said, there's I a got whole, all that. There's, there's a list of stuff. I would go, uh, to, I mean, Quinn would go to the defensive end of the floor, but I'll go to the offensive end of the floor. I thought in the third quarter, a bunch of guys, after they missed a bunch of shots in the second quarter, a bunch of guys didn't want to shoot in the third quarter. Well, one of those I thought guys Clarkson, certainly isn't Clarkson. Clarkson did, and he was the only guy who did. And he would give up the ball, and guys would pass up shots, and the ball would come back to him. And even even before he was in the game, I don't think he's I can look it up, but I don't think he's, he started the third quarter. And they, they scored and tied the game at 49, and the ball went in the corner, and somebody had an open shot. I think it was Royce. I'm not positive. He, but he passed it up. He threw it cross court to Bogdanovich, who had a shot, but passed it up. Who threw, he threw it into the corner to Conley, who had a shot, but a guy was running at him, so he put it on the floor and drove, and he turned it over. It was really what the whole post game was about on Wednesday when Quinn was saying, well, we got too many turnovers. We got too many turnovers in part because we're passing up open shots. And you came out of the locker room in a quarter you normally play pretty well in, and they've won a lot of games in the third quarter, saying, okay, are they going to make a run here? And three guys pass up shots and they turn the ball over. Well, why are they and passing just, up shots? I think guys didn't think they were going to make them. Well, don't you want them to pass up the shot if they don't think they're going to make them? Yeah, but if the Jazz can't make open threes, then they got no hope because that's the whole plan. <laughs> the whole plan is to shoot threes. You can't win unless you shoot threes. It's the only way they can win. It starts everything for them. It's not the only thing they do. Obviously, they want layups and dunks and free throws, too. All right, we'll continue this conversation. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, is joining us. Shane, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Ah, tons of angst. Back-to-back losses to the Timberwolves. The lead in the West is down to one game. The Suns are supposed to struggle on this road trip. The Jazz are supposed to pull away by beating easy teams. It's not happening. Shane, what is going wrong? Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, you say losing two straight to the Timberwolves, um, at least the Jazz don't have to see Minnesota in a couple months. (laughs) At least Minnesota is mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, so... It's actually kind of funny that that this stuff happens in the NBA, where the Jazz could have the number of a of a high profile contender. They could just you know stomp them down a couple of times, but then they struggle with some of this bottom level competition. And you know that that's 
that tends to happen with contenders. They, I'm not going to say they overlook the Timberwolves, but I think everyone understands that every player in the NBA is capable of catching fire or putting together a, a, a big run, and and they just underestimated them for a bit. So yeah, two straight games worth. I, I would be pretty upset as well. So whenever Donovan Mitchell returns to full health with the ankle injury, do you think that that solves the issues that they're having right now? I don't think necessarily it solves just flat out not making shots. I mean, that's kind of just like uh, I, I tend to I tend to favor like just unluckiness. I think that you can point a lot of the problems to last night. You know, they generate 15 corner threes. If you generate 15 corner threes. In the NBA, you're a dynamic offense. I think the Jazz and Clippers are the two best offenses when it comes to creating those open looks, even though the Nets technically have the best offense in the NBA because of their firepower. And the Jazz made two of them. They shot two of 15 from the corners. And I'd be willing to guess, I think the player tracking data comes out soon, I would be willing to guess that a lot of those were wide open. And, and, you know, 14 of 41 from the non-corner threes, um, I'd be willing to bet a lot of those are wide open. So, you know, m- maybe you just chalk up last night to whatever. But I think I think Donovan does help with their paint attacks and getting into the paint and and helping find the open man a little bit easier and quicker. Um, I think one thing that we've seen, at least I saw, I'm not sure about you guys, you can tell me how you feel about it, but I, I saw Rudy Gobert last night just not get a lot of touches that he normally would even when he got switches with Rubio on him in the post, Gobert puts his hands straight up in the air. Clearly the tallest guy on the court, especially in that mismatch. And, you know, you could easily get the ball to him. It's just like, you know, you see Conley, Ingles, uh, and, and Bogdanovich, all these guys kind of dance around it and try try to get it to him late or not get the right passing angle. I think Donovan Mitchell's clearly behind Ingles as like maybe the best passer on the team. So, I think he does help in that regard. Shane Young joining us, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. So when you watch the Suns come in and you watch the Jazz struggling, are you thinking the top two teams, the top two contenders, or are your eyes still on the Clippers and on the Lakers? Oh, man, it's it's been tough because I think the last time we talked, Phoenix wasn't doing this hot. They were coming, but they weren't blistering hot yet. Um, I think right now you're looking at it. Um, I, I think the Jazz are going to be the number one seed, and the Suns are probably going to be number two. All the Suns have to do is beat the Clippers, um, beat the Clippers on Wednesday, and that gives them another game advantage. And then they just have to close out without stinking up the joint. So they could they could lose a couple games as long as they don't lose more than the Clippers, they'll be fine. But those will be those might be the top two seeds. Does it mean that they are the best teams in the conference? I'm not sure. I think the Jazz securing the number one seed helps a good deal because they they would only have to see the Lakers in the second round. And I like it. I just don't. I just don't have a good feel about how a Lakers Jazz series would go because we've seen what zero total games of the full healthy rosters going at each other. Um, I think the one time the Jazz beat down on the Lakers, it was um, you know. Uh, or I think a couple times the Jazz beat down on the Lakers. It was without AD and LeBron, so it, it, it's been kind of tough to gauge. Um, I, I, I kind of do think though that the Clippers would be happy with the way the seeding ends because they would they would get 
an easier opponent in the first round because they, they, the Clippers have kind of handled the Blazers uh, so far this season. So if that's the matchup, then I think they would be happy with that. And then the Suns. Obviously, if you play the Suns, I think they I think they view Phoenix as less of a threat than Utah. Um, I, I do, you know, being around the Clippers this year, I do think they view Utah as a team that can give them a lot of problems in a potential West Final series because of how well Utah switches and how well uh, they are as an oiled machine defensively. It's you know they're they're extremely well coached and probably the best coached team in the NBA. So. I guess all that to say, there are four teams still that I think could win the title in the West, and those are going to be the the LA teams and Phoenix and Utah. It's really too hard to it, it, right now. It's too difficult to pick who would be the favorite. I think. Do you see any of these first round opponents possible? We don't know who it is, obviously, but do you see any of them mm-hmm. giving the Jazz some trouble in the first round? I would be terrified of Stephen Curry. Um, I, I'm, I'm just a big Steph fan. <laughs> and I think that he, if you give him an opportunity to go into Utah, if they got the eight seed, if the Warriors won the playing tournament and got the eight seed, if you give him an opportunity to go in Utah where he's had some, some success uh, throughout his playoff career, that one series they played in 2017, I believe. Um, I, I, I think I, I would be a little bit scared. I'd be a little bit nervous because all it takes is one or two games for Steph to get hot, steal a road game, and then you're going back to the San Francisco. So it's like, man, I, that's a flamethrower I would not want to face. Um, if I was the Jazz, obviously you're kind of hoping for Memphis, uh, who I believe Utah has beat three times this year, right, all within a, a week span. <laughs> um, or San Antonio. I think San Antonio just doesn't have – um, a lot of the defense that would be necessary to guard Utah's um, U- Utah's creativity. Utah is one of the most creative offenses in the league this year. So I would be hoping for San Antonio and Memphis. I'd be really kind of nervous about Golden State. You think the uh, play-in series is here to stay, that it is uh, minimizing, it'll never eliminate tanking, but maybe minimizing tanking and shutting guys down? You know, I... I'm I'm actually a fan of the play-in situation of the, the scenario where you you you're kind of right there. You do these uh, disincentivized tanking where you um, have these teams at the bottom that have maybe a three or four week span longer than they would normally in the season to look at the standings and say, "Hey, we can make a run." Because I know you guys remember last year or or the the few years before there were teams that it would be February and they would shut it down. They would just be like, oh, well, we're six games out. That's a lot to make up considering we're not that good of a team. Let's just rest everyone or let's let's put our uh, top superstars on the shelf. And I'm glad – I'm really glad that that's not happening with, you know, say Zion Williamson. The Pelicans are not going to make it because they're just too far out and they, and they can't seem to string together a good win streak. So cross them out, but it's that type of team that you look at and say, I'm glad that this team and this player, this dynamic top 20 player in the NBA is able to play longer into the season and deep high playoff minutes because they're, they're trying to get that playoff spot. So I like the playing tournament. Uh, the one thing I'm kind of, I want to get your opinion on that I've kind of wanted for a long time is I think Maybe I'm maybe I'm alone in this, or maybe I'm on an island by myself. But 
I think the top seeds in every conference, so like maybe the Jazz and technically Brooklyn right now, if you're going to have a playing tournament where they don't know their playoff opponent until a few day, a couple days before it starts, because that's been that's been a situation where like the Clippers and the Suns, they're going to know their playoff opponent quicker than the Jazz will. Gives a little bit less preparation time, uh, less time to really get some practice in for that particular opponent. If you're not going to know who you're playing, I think you should be able to pick your opponent from the pool of the eight seed, seven seed, and six seed. Maybe I think those bottom three seeds, once the playing tournament has been played, should be able to pick who they want to play. The, the Jazz. So, you know, I, I, I kind of just think that that's the fairest way to do it. If Utah is going to w- focus on the regular season, get the number one seed and be the best team in the, in the league all season, there has to come some, like, re- reward for that. And I think the reward would be deciding who you want to play. I don't do think, think – Yeah, I don't think teams are going to want that. I don't think they're going to want that responsibility. It, 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 you're basically, you're saying, hey, you're not good enough, so you're disrespecting somebody right from the get-go and firing them up. I think, uh, I think teams are going to complain about that and not, not want that. Yeah, I understand that point of view. Like, it, it, I, I don't think basically what I'm saying. I don't think a lot of the owners that would have to vote for this to get it approved would even go for it. There might be just be a third of the league that that likes the idea, but it's just something that's been floating around in NBA circles where there there just needs to be a higher incentive for or a higher reward, I should say, for getting that number one seed and going through this ridiculous grind of a season. How much does it concern you if a team is relying a lot on threes that when they get to the postseason that there might be an issue making those threes? It's definitely been a concern uh, for me, uh, particularly because I, I see I, I tend to gravitate towards jump shooting teams, teams that unlock a lot of their offense from three um, and that value higher efficiency shots. Um, I, I think if you the more threes you take, as long as they're not just run up the court, jack it up in someone's face, and shoot a contested shot, uh, I think that as long as it's a good, open, clean look that's derived from good paint attacks, I think driving into the paint is the first key that you have to have. And, you know, the two teams that I mentioned before that are the best at creating those shots, the Jazz and the Clippers, I think they do it the right way. I think if you, I'm not trying to dog on this team by any means because, you know, I've done that quite a bit in the past, but the team that you can look at and say maybe, or definitely a lot of these shots that they shoot from three are not good looks is the Houston teams and the James Harden era, particularly when Mike D'Antoni got there. I think that's not a good way to do it. But then you look at it and say, oh, well, those Rockets made it to the West Finals a couple times, twice since 2015 and they nearly maybe should have won in 2018. So if that's the bad way of doing it and it still worked out, I think you look at like the Golden State teams of the last few years, maybe San Antonio in 2014 that shot a lot of threes. They succeeded. They won the title. Uh, they did have a lot of superstar power on their teams, but, hey, that's what you need in the NBA. I think it's going to come down to more so the star power. Donovan Mitchell, can he create his own offense in the mid-range at the rim? Whenever teams switch and put bigger bodies on him or like side like size bodies on him, um, that's going to be more important to me than maybe Joe Eagles, Boyan Madanovich, Mike Conley knocking down their shots. Because if you've had a 
five or six month sample of these guys hitting the shots, I tend to just trust the st- the statistics and I tend to trust the um, tendencies that say these guys are still going to make their shots, especially in a playoff environment, guys, that's not going to be like fully packed with fans, especially if Utah goes on the road. I know Utah does have a lot of fans, if I'm correct, but I know if they go on the road, other teams don't have necessarily a lot of fans, so I'm not very worried about their shots not going in. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So do you think the Jazz come out of this funk? Do you give them much hope Friday night? Uh, probably shorthanded without Donovan Mitchell in Phoenix, or this is going to continue until Mitchell comes back and the one seed's going to be gone and just deal with it and adapt. I do give them a, a good or decent, a good chance in Phoenix just because the, the games that we've seen, or at least the last game we saw between the Jazz and Suns was really close, um, came down to the wire. You know, just some decisions here and there or some shots here and there fall. So I think uh, – I think the Jazz could definitely get it together and start, you know, maybe going another five or six game win streak here. It's just, it's going to be tough until you get Donovan back um, to really lean on somebody in those moments. Uh, I know, you know, and we also have to point out, like, they would have won last night, maybe, like a 98% chance they would have won last night if Rudy Gobert just switches on that last play defensively. So, you know, that that's just like a, that's a mental error right there that you can kind of chalk up as, as a one-off, I think, because he's one of the best defensive players in the world. Um, so I'm not really concerned. I think they can get together here. But I, I think we just can't we can't deny that Phoenix is really good, and Phoenix has maybe the what, one of the five best players to go against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz's defense, and that's Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul, to me, is probably the third best point guard of all time, just the third best. You know, his, his greatness is not – going to be elevated because of the, the lack of accolades. But uh, he's supremely talented, and it, it, it's going to be – you're going to hear a lot of chatter if the Suns do go 3-0 against the Jazz this year and how, that, you know, that's just a series that no, that, that Utah doesn't want. But I, I kind of think that's overblown. I think, you know, a couple of those games you could go either way. And uh, I'm not – I still think the Jazz are probably right behind the Clippers in terms of playoff potency. Um, I, I, I kind of I'm not sold on the Suns yet um, in terms of being like this team that that could beat the Lakers, beat the Clippers, beat the Jazz. That'd be a really tough playoff grind for them, especially in their first year together. So um, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to Friday night. Shane, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Anytime, guys. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. All right, more reaction to the Jazz and the Wolves. What went horribly wrong? How can the Jazz fix it and win? We got a lot of you on Facebook. A lot of you are jumping on Twitter at David DJ James, Facebook at DJ and PK. We will get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So I'm trying to get my phone to not call me Hans. All right, try it again. Don't call me Hans. Okay, what should I call you? Hans. You'd like me to call you hats. Is that right? <laughs> no. Hans. You'd like me to call you pants. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. Like Lance or Dance. What is my name, Google? Your name is Hans. God, stupid. 
dumb thing. Could you call me Hans, Ned? You'd like me to call you handsome. Is that right? <laughs> well, it's better than Hans. Yeah. Catch Hans and Scotty every day presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, we got a lot of Jazz fans weighing in. What has gone wrong? Low point in the season. Back-to-back losses to the Wolves. 6-6 six and six in their last 12. The Cavalry isn't coming in to save the day anytime soon. Donovan Mitchell's out the rest of the week and apparently isn't going to be playing against the Suns on Friday, and I don't know how much longer after that. Leaves Jazz fans in a nasty mood. You're hitting us up on uh, Facebook at DJ and PK. On Twitter, at David DJ James. David says, the Jazz are who we thought they were. They have players who like mental toughness, and when adversity hits and they miss their leader or things go against them, they fold. As for learning, how many games have they looked lackluster and needed a big third quarter? Well, that's a lot to unpack right there, PK. Yeah, okay. The last part I dismiss immediately. How many games have they looked lackluster and needed a big third quarter? You're not going to crush teams every quarter. If you trade hoops for a while, lead by four at the half, trail by four at the half, whatever, figure it out and blow a team off the floor with a big third quarter, I'd sign up for that every time. Uh, That's sort of the NBA (laughs) to an extent. Yeah, I would take that every time. Uh, We've seen a lot of it this year. That was how Stockton Malone and Hornacek won 20 or 25 years ago. Big third quarters, taking the pressure off in the fourth quarter. That's uh, that's best-case scenario. I'd sign up for that all the time. As for the other stuff, players who lack mental toughness, adversity hits, they miss their leader, or things go against them and they fold. I think that's when you have to go big picture and say, how often does that happen? Because everybody's going to lose games, and anytime you lose games, did you fold? So... You got to go big picture. Now, I think the thing David's getting at, without letting all the water swamp the boat here, is in the playoffs, in the biggest moments against the best players who are the most experienced, when adversity hits, are they going to be able to answer the bell or are they going to fold? And I think that's what everybody's worried about all year. And I think people are, um, you know, concerned, worried, debate it to, uh, I don't know, if you're, if you're a big fan, maybe you really worry about it. If you're more, if you're you, PK, and you're NBA fan and observer, you, you debate it. And I think that is the question everyone's trying to figure out about the Jazz. And the easy answer sitting here this morning is, well, if you don't execute under pressure against the Wolves in a regular season game, are you going to execute under pressure in the playoffs three or four weeks from now? And the obvious answer is, well, no, probably not. Mm, I'm not so sure about that, though. Right? And because you can debate anything, I've got an answer in my mind, and I want to know if you're going to say it out loud right now. Let's see if our answers match up. Go ahead. This month they've made two mistakes defensively in literally the last possession, right? And that's why I blame it on everyone. 
because you've already made one. You made one against the Lakers. You didn't have Gobert back there. But we used Gobert's absence as an excuse. Turns out Gobert's absence in making defensive mistakes is not an excuse because Gobert himself was there, and he made a defensive mistake. So the good thing about it is get these mistakes out. And I'm guessing if they get in another situation like this, they'll be ultra sure of what to do defensively. So make them now. She's not going to make them then. So get it out of the way. Because in the final analysis, when the ball goes up in the first round, whoever you're playing, what happened on April 26th in that blown four-second possession doesn't really matter. I don't see any bearing, any any repercussion of that whatsoever. Uh, And to go back to Shane Young's, if you're worried about who you're going to play in the first round, then you're not winning anything that matters anyway. So I don't I'm trying to keep perspective on all these things. Uh, and I don't know that ad- adversity is going to hit. This is basketball. What what's what's ad- what's adverse about a basketball game? Shots didn't go in. Shots don't go in. Somebody gets in foul trouble and leaves the game. Guy rolls an ankle. I mean, adversity can well, be a lot of different things. Yeah, but you can't you can't control injuries. So if you have key injuries, you're not going to win. It's the way it is, right? It's happened a million times over. It seems like Chris Paul gets hurt almost every playoff series. That's intense. He something happens to his legs and he's out. It seemed like with Blake Griffin, too, those guys, when they went to Clippers. It seemed like they were never healthy when it mattered the most. So they didn't win. So uh, I don't know that you can overcome that. So don't worry about that. That's going to be a problem. So really, adversity boils down to shots not going in. There are Foul trouble? Do mm. we really have foul trouble that much in postseason? I'm not so sure you do. I think the referees uh, in the postseason, by and large, and there's going to be examples, and we're going to cite them every time. But you know, the, the three free throw margin is not going to be outrageous in the postseason because everybody's watching. You, know? you could see wild discrepancies in the regular season, and maybe there would be. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't see that. So I think it boils down to. Your offense isn't scoring, and that's putting pressure. Shots aren't falling, which is what what happened last night. You know, my only criticism of last night is Jordan Clarkson started to get a little bit of uh, Gordon Hayward body language, and I don't like that. You miss five in a row, be as confident as you could possibly. You're going to make the sixth one because you're really good, and if you miss five in a row, the law of numbers is going to be in your favor on the sixth one. Matt said law of averages during the game last night, and it couldn't have been more disappointing. Come on, Matt. Let a law of numbers rip. I love that stuff. He didn't want to say that. Uh, When he said it, it's because he couldn't think of the word averages. I know. Uh, So that was really about the only thing that bothered me, because 
I, although I have to admit, as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, Jordan, you passed the friggin' ball. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, was... but he had eight assists. Yes, and so he did. He, was. he did. He did throw some great. When they got it rolling in the fourth quarter, and Niang was hitting shots, I think Clarkson threw him a really good pass for one of them. You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so during the game, I thought about tweeting, "Pass the friggin' ball, would you?" But I didn't. <laughs> and then overnight and this morning when I get up, and I always get up way earlier than I'm supposed to, but that's just me and my body. And so I'm thinking about it, and I'm looking at the box score, and I'm going through it. And then I'm thinking, no, Jordan, keep firing, buddy, because that's who you are, and that's what this team needs. Just don't give me the bad body language. Like you're exhausted or, you, or you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is awful. No, I don't want that. I want Kobe. I want MJ. Those guys never did that. Now, they're supreme talents. I get all that. But you, can, you can't mimic and, and reprise their game. But there's no reason why you can't reprise their attitude, right? That doesn't necessarily take talent. And those guys, the, the Kyle Whittingham, at no point, um, at no point do you ever show weakness. weakness. One of his, it's so funny Never. to say that. I was just thinking of when he said that on the air. I mean, this was when he was still defensive coordinator and they hit him with a Gatorade bath after the defense scored the winning touchdown at CSU late in the game. And he didn't even break stride going out to shake hands. And it was, the sun was down, it was cold, it was late in the season. And they hit him with an ice bath and he didn't, you know, sometimes coaches like throw their shoulders back and run yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. He, he walked across the field like it didn't happen, even as it hit him. Not even for two seconds did he flinch. And I asked about it on the air, and he, what you just said, and like he just delivered it, as matter of fact as could be, show no weakness, DJ. Show no weakness. And that is not a football thing. That's his life thing. I've been in situations, and I won't repeat them, but I've been in situations, in competitive situations, and unflailingly, discussions about, Stuff. <laughs> Best front man in rock and roll. Going back and forth. I make a good point. Um, okay, I can see your point. But you're still wrong! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, just, and that's what I want to see of Jordan Clarkson. You missed 10 in a row. You missed 10 in a row. Nothing's changing. That's on the books, man. And in, in, in the games they've lost this month, he shot 32%. And he's like... Uh, I think he's like 31 of 88, somewhere in there. 31, 32%, right? All right. Well, ball didn't go in, to quote uh, Jimmy Boylan, on those games. But so what, man? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm now asking of Jordan Clarkson. Still be a B.A. If you miss 10 in a row and that 11th shot is there, take it. And take it with whatever cliche you want. That it's going in. And that's that's my one criticism on that. And I want all those guys to do that. Just, they they you, needed you in the huddle then in the third quarter because I really thought there was a stretch in the third quarter. And I thought Niang came in at the fourth quarter and changed changed the momentum and changed the mood oh, for sure, by yeah. hitting shots. Yeah. And there was nothing else to it. And you know, the you and I always get you and I always get into this like the stuff you do 
to get the open look, to get the uncontested shot on the spot you want on the floor with the guy you want, all of that matters. But the shot still has to go in. And mm-hmm. you'll yes, go to yes. the make or miss. And it really did come down. Like, they'd done everything right. They had Niang the shot. He needed to make it, and he did. And he did it again, he did it again. It changed it. But in the third quarter, I thought there were a bunch of guys on the floor. There was one sequence where, or multiple sequences with one group on the floor where I thought, Jordan's really the only guy who wants to shoot the ball. And they're not, and they didn't, I don't think they had Rudy in for most of that stretch. Uh, because sometimes you can just drive the hoop and then put it up there for Rudy. Although I thought even under this deja vu, should we do a list of worst sequels of all time? This game was so similar, it even had a late alley-oop to Rudy that turned into a turnover. And they couldn't get the ball to him when Ricky Rubio had switched on him. I'm, I'm with you on all the other stuff, but like when Rubio is on a 7-2 guy, how can you not get an alley oop to him? I mean, you you gotta you gotta be able to do it. And two two games in a row they haven't. So a lot of it was missed shots, but there's still other stuff going wrong under pressure that makes me worry how these guys are going to handle it in the postseason. You know, and it's still three to four weeks away, so you got a chance to get out of this funk. And to a certain degree, I probably would be worried if they were just piling up W's right now because you can't sustain that forever. You go on a nine game. Winning streak, you're probably going to have a rough patch when it ends. So they're six and six. Now that's fifteen and six over twenty-one games. So maybe you're okay with that, as long as they get out of this funk asap, quickly. Make it happen. All right. All right, DJ and PK, Big T, Thurl Bailey. He's seen a lot of basketball. He's seen a lot of slumps. He's seen a lot of hot streaks. He's going to join us one hour from now, right here on ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty, the zone. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. Well, PK, now you've really stepped into it. And I get the personal disappointment. And, you you know, you keep this stuff to to yourself. And and you got to do the show on the air. Be the trained (laughs) professional. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the jazz in Minnesota. I'm talking about important stuff. Talking what? about getting a Dodger dog at Dodger Stadium. And Farmer John <laughs> will no longer make Dodger dogs at Dodger Stadium. What's the point anymore? I mean, this makes you question I've everything you it. believe. Back-to-back really loss does. to the Wolves. Nobody will be talking about them next month. They'll either get it done or they won't against a bigger-name opponent. This is a tragedy in my life. That's what I'm getting at. Open up. Let your true feelings out. I mean, a Dodger dog. I think Dodger Stadium is the best baseball stadium in the history of baseball stadiums, right? I'm I'm biased there. I mean, obviously. It's it's a personal opinion, so obviously you're going to be biased. And if you grew up in the the Northeast, you would say Fenway Park. If you grew up in the Midwest, you'd say Wrigley Field. But you are a transplanted child of the West. And all those places... Or both those places and all the other places you named are awesome. You know, I've mm-hmm. been to all of them: Yankee Stadium, both Yankee stadiums, uh, Fenway, Wrigley. You name it. This is great. But something about the ocean breezes coming in uh, late afternoon, early evening, those mountains, uh, just just everything. And part of the allure is biting into a Dodger dog 
those things are just absolutely awesome. It's like the best food, caviar, filet, whatever <laughs> whatever food you imagine as the greatest, uh, whatever it might be, New York pizza, you name it. That's what a Dodger dog is. It is synonymous with Dodger baseball is on the air. And I heard about this yesterday, and I texted my wife immediately, and she just responded, no way. First Vin, now this, what else is left? So growing up in Southern California, Padre fan, you don't like the Dodgers. It's a one-way rivalry. The Dodgers' real rivalry is with the Giants. Maybe this year real with the Padres, it'll, it'll be real different. But for years, Padres hate the Dodgers. Dodgers are like, eh, yeah, but we got a thing here with the Giants. That's the real deal. And I can still remember, PK, I was probably 19 or 20, first time I went to a, probably 19, and going down with friends who were, do- and I was, I was uh, all set up not to like it, right? It's the Dodgers. Why am I going to like their stadium? Why am I going to like their announcers? Why am I going to like any? And coming up over the hill, and it was just like the weather was perfect and the sun and the whole thing. Dodger Stadium, driving in the parking lot, looked like a million bucks. The, the stadium arms out there, and the, the Dodger fans I'm with, I'm going to college with, kids who grew up in L.A., and they're like, we got to get Dodger dogs. I mean, it's like the third inning. And, it, and, and they were awesome. The third inning? What they took were, so long? They were awesome. I don't know. In, re- in retrospect, what's wrong with the pregame Dodger dog, right? I don't know what it was. And yeah. then one in the third and one in the sixth. <laughs> How many Dodger PK's dogs? All about, PK is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it was great. And I wanted to complain about it. I was set up to complain about everything about the Dodgers. I couldn't. The stadium was awesome. Vin Scully was awesome. The Dodger dogs were awesome. I just had to admit it. I didn't want to. I wanted to complain. I wanted to whine. And now it's yeah. over. It's over. And Jeff posting, you put this up on Facebook, Jeff posting, that is blasphemy. What is next? Is. Grilling the dogs? Uh, and I saw some people said they didn't care. Well, my response to that is, what is next? Sooner or later, if we allow this to happen and there's not a fight, they're going to come after your Jello. <laughs> Who's they? Back off. Whoever decides they. I mean, come in, in this the world. Big they, in, the big they? The conspiracy just, theory? You just say they. Yeah. They. Come yeah. on. It's all about they. Yeah, you just say, just read any LeBron's tweets. They. They. You, you just, and, or read uh, whomever's tweets, whichever side. They. Are you funeral potatoes up it. after the yellow is taken? Yeah. What's next? If you can take away the institution of Dodger Dogs... What is next? This is an institution. This is right. The stars come and go. Garvey and Say and yep. Lopes and Russell, they were awesome. Mike Piazza, uh, the, the pitchers, Drysdale and Koufax and uh, Roy Campanella, on and on. All the great ones in the history of Los Angeles Dodger history. I'm not sure about Brooklyn. Maybe they had them back there, but I don't think so. So I'm just staying with Don, and I don't know. I think uh, maybe Campanella didn't make the transition. Maybe he had the uh, injury before they moved. But all these great players over the years, Oral Hershiser, you name it, the toy cannon, Jimmy Wynn, it doesn't matter who they are. They'll come and go. But Dodger dogs, Ray, Dodger dogs, Ray, (laughs) have been there. 
<laughs> Dodger dogs were not in Field of Dreams, so don't drop right in there. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, James Earl Jones is pumping Dodger dogs in the middle Dodger of the right. That would have been the greatest product placement oh, ever. Can you imagine? Hey, there's literally I'm just saying. There's a book, PK, that you would enjoy. Have you ever read the book from Dodger Dogs to Fenway Franks? No. The, yeah, I read it. It's uh, it's the easiest read in the world. This uh, middle school English teacher in Seattle decided one summer he was going to see every ballpark. And he gets into all the ballparks, many of which have now been torn down, uh, but some of which you went to, absolutely. And the stuff that happened on the trips, uh, he gets into all the stuff. He gets into, you'd love it because there's a big stuff of music, his music for the open road, because obviously some ballparks are 90 minutes apart, and then he's got full day drives. And it's just, it's part diary, part baseball, part music. It, it was it was really good read. And it was super easy. I mean, you just blow right through it. I mean, nothing heavy about it. Um, but just think about that. Like, Dodger Dogs, literally, how does a Dodger Dog, how does it become the title of a book? And a pretty good one. I enjoyed the read. It was fun. Because it's an institution, Ray. <laughs> In your next career, you're going to do product placement for sports movies. And make Think everybody some it, money. Man. Leave our price house alone. Scott today. says, this is sad. I wish I could get one more. You can, Scott. Dane says, why is it a liberal thing? Too many hurt feelings? Or do we have to politicize Dodger Dogs? Yeah, everything is. No. No, no. Did you read the, the story constant. on what happened? I, how could I? Did you want me to cry? Did you want me to just crumble to the ground in the fetal position? Did I read the story of what happened? No. I couldn't. No, I couldn't. Because the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been Dodger dogs. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But Dodger dogs have marked the time. Dodger dogs, Dodger dogs, it's part of our past, Ray. It reminds of all that once was good and all that could be good again. Nice. You've got that speech down cold. You've watched it a million times when they replay it on the baseball <laughs> network in the winter. I know, because I have two. So, here's a quote from Farmer John. Are you ready? What does no. it come down to? What, what does it always come down to? You've told us a million times. What does, it, what does everything in life come down to? So many money. conflicts, so many things. Money. It's money. Farmer John, here's a quote from the story. Farmer John had a longstanding and valued relationship with the Dodgers. After the 2019 season, Farmer John made the difficult business decision not to renew its contract with the Dodgers. Unfortunately, the, through the latest contract negotiations, we were unable to come to an agreement that was beneficial for both parties. That reads to me, Farmer John saying, we're not writing that big a check, despite decades of this mutually beneficial relationship. We're not writing a check to pay for one more of your $80 million starting pitchers. We're not doing it. And because everything's business, the story, this is from the story. The good news is the Dodgers hold the trademark for Dodger Dogs, so that isn't going away. The only thing that will change is the company that makes them. Farmer John will not be allowed to continue selling Dodger Dogs away from the stadium. So there's still going to be Dodger Dogs. They're going to be made by somebody else, and the Dodgers have actually been doing blind taste tests trying to get the new company to, to make Dodger no. Dogs that taste exactly the same. No. So I don't know that it's over. Even though it's not Farmer John. If Nathan's moves in and takes over, we will never forgive them. 
No, no, no. Because I, I believe Farmer John will come back to Dodger Stadium. And when that happens, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Dodger Stadium for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up Chavez Ravine, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at the front door of Dodger Stadium as innocent as children, longing for the pass of a Dodger dog. Of course, we won't mind if you look around. You'll say, it's only $20 per Dodger dog. And they'll pass over the money without even thinking about it, for it is money they have and peace and Dodger dogs they lack. Didn't the little girl in the movie choke on a hot dog? Isn't that why Doc stepped across the line? I mean, was that a Fenway Frank or a Dodger dog? I need to know. You have to ask I'm setting you up to be the star. Would you just accept it? Come on, PK. Of course it was a Dodger dog, and she bit in it too fast. But Doc, a little smack in the back, which solves a lot of stuff, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Including choking. Yes, yes. So the good news, PK, is I can tell you where to go. To get that Farmer John's Dodger dog. They can't call it Dodger dog, but, I, but to get no, it. No, no, no. It's not the same. Farmer John's released a statement on the termination of the partnership on the heels of signing with LAFC. Yes, Farmer John's will be selling those Dodger dogs. Not, not calling them Dodger dogs, but selling them at soccer games. It's not the same. It's like I could take the same popcorn, have it at home, And it's not the same as if I'm at the theater. It's just not. For some reason that I can't explain, Ray, it's not the same. It's got to be in the setting. And I can't go down to Carson or wherever and recreate it. It's got to be a Chavez, Ray. You're not understanding, Ray. This cannot be recreated, Ray. (laughs) It has been estimated the team sells approximately 3 million Dodger dogs per season. Well, they draw 3 million people. Who's not eating Dodger dogs when they go to the ballpark? I would cover games at Dodger Stadium and have access. I stood in line one time to the uh, pregame media meal, and there's a guy behind me. It's bleep. It was a horse bleep call. Just absolutely horse bleep. And I turn around, and it's Vin. (laughs) (laughs) I would go down to the mezzanine to get a Dodger dog and pay for it and pass up the free pregame meal. Maybe that's probably why I have to lose 20 pounds. But that's how good they were. And now they're gone? Now they're gone, Ray. No. 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 The lights have been turned off. The diamond is now a cornfield. I don't like it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big T coming up at the top of the hour. Thurl Bailey will join us. Coming up next, we got more of you waking up and reacting to the Jazz losing to Minnesota. We will do that next. Stay with us. If you build it, you will come. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So I'm trying to get my phone to not call me Hans. All right, try it again. Don't call me Hans. Okay, what should I call you? Hans. You'd like me to call you Hats. Is that right? No. Hans. You'd like me to call you Pants. That's the dumbest thing. Like Lance or Dance. What is my name, Google? Your name is Hans. God, stupid, dumb thing. 
Could you call me Hans Ned? You'd like me to call you handsome. Is that right? Well, it's better than Hans. Yeah. Catch Hans and Scotty every day presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever. That's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Mickey Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right on Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, PK, so we have uh, knocked this around this morning a lot. How did the Jazz lose to the Wolves again? How does this happen? What does it mean for the future, if anything? What does it tell us about the Jazz? What are they saying about it? And how are they going to change this up going forward? And there are more questions than answers. I would say if there's one thing that bugs me, it's not any of the X's and O's stuff. It's not the shots going in. The reluctance to take shots that I, thought, that I thought I saw in the third quarter, that bugged me quite a bit. Probably bugged me more than anything, even though e- even, even messing up the last play with six seconds when I thought they were actually going to pull this out. Holy cow. They've done a lot of things wrong, but they're going to they're gonna find a way to win this. And then they messed it up. I would say pull it off, not pull it out. This, he says, moving right along. This... <laughs> But the thing that that bugs me the most, I think when you get to the playoffs, stuff's going to go wrong. You're going to miss shots. Calls are going to go against you. The other team is going to go on a run. All kinds of stuff is going to happen. And the teams that win, the one thing they have in common is they got a level of resilience. They bounce back. They have the mental toughness that you love to talk about, lecture about. They got people who have an attitude. Amen. And they just say, Bleep it. That sucked, but bleep it. Let's go win the game, right? Larry Bird did that 40 years ago. He would literally say that stuff. Jordan, he didn't care that he missed 30 shots. He made the last two, and he broke Jazz fans' heart for years to come, and they're still wearing the scars, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Kobe did it. LeBron has done it. We can list a bunch of other guys. Duncan didn't say boo, and he didn't strut around, and he didn't wear it on his sleeve the way Bird did, but he did it. And the fact that they lost to the Wolves kind of the same way two nights in a row with the same parallels, it's like you got to shake stuff off quickly because the four losses pile up pretty fast and then it's over. And so how quickly, no matter how bad it is, Rudy, you bleeped up. You feel your own words, you bleeped up. Your own words, you feel dumb when you watch the tape. Okay, say it and now just shake it off. You got to shake it off because those four games in the playoffs, you lose them in a flash. And you got to turn it around. Yeah, okay. So, are they going to do it? And the fact they didn't do it against the Wolves, as bad as Saturday was, shake it off and turn it around Monday. You know, and they didn't do it. That, that's the thing that bugs me. You got to shake this stuff off. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, the playoffs can be over in a flash, that's for sure. Uh, when you're losing, and trouble times are going to come within a ball game. Uh, but how are you mentally tough to be able to overcome that? I believe that's what it is. It's about mental toughness. And I thought clearly Conley showed that. Uh, but I, and Gobert shows it. To me, he shows it in spades. So I don't I don't worry about him. Absolutely not. I mean, he, he goofed up. He's a human being. So what, what can I tell you, man? 
And I don't know that I blame it uh, exclusively on him. I don't know what was said in the huddle. I don't know what was said as they're walking out on the floor. But it should have been said 50 times over. And the great thing about it is that it won't happen again. This will never happen again in a game-winning situation defensively with Gobert on the floor, with him being involved. Absolutely will not happen. So I feel comfort in that, knowing that they screwed up. And it was like, what did I just see? I don't believe it. (laughs) I mean, I I literally don't. This defensive team and Quinn Steiner preaching defense and you allow a dude just to get an unrestricted layup line. Yep. I mean, it was. The easiest shot in basketball. Yeah, yeah. Just catch a ball and just go in there and make that shot. We all know what happens. But I don't think that's going to happen again. I want the mental toughness. And to me, I'm going to view this as a positive, which I know is shocking. Yeah, what are you doing? Who are you? What have you done with PK? And because, you know, I think it's easier for me because I don't have the fan win-lose investment. Mm -hmm. I have the fan uh, win, uh, not win-lose emotional investment, but I certainly have the time investment. And then I'm getting paid for it, so I don't want to pat on the back by any stretch. It's a requirement of the job, just like anybody who, whatever their job is, they've got to do certain things or it's requirements. So by all means, don't, I'm not asking for anything beyond, well, this is what you're supposed to do and I am doing it. So, and I take it very seriously, but I do invest a whole heck of a lot of time into this team. We all feel obligated to do it. So I, even though I don't get caught up in the winning and losing, I feel like I'm right there with you and I'm speaking to the general you fan, man or woman, and there's hundreds of thousands of them uh, that uh, live in our community who have that investment. So I appreciate it and respect it. Uh, And they're right now, they're down. But to me, as I step back and last night, I I was ticked for them. It bugged me, no doubt about it. But I got up this morning, started thinking about it and put it in, not in reflection, but just trying to find a way to think about it and what it means. And right now I'm at the point, and I'll ask Thurl about it here in, in, in a little bit, about uh, this stuff is something that can be beneficial. Uh, do I want it that easy? Phoenix is on your butt right now, man. They are as close as can possibly be. And right now I would think they would win Friday. And I'm not sure the Jazz win tomorrow against Sacramento. I don't know that. I think they do, but I thought they would win the last two games, and they and they didn't, so I can't say that. So let's see what you got now, because it's about mental toughness. The skill is there. Every one of these guys has the skill. We've seen it in abundance, right? And so it's slipping a little bit. Joe Ingles isn't shooting the ball well right now. Uh, Jordan Clarkson uh, has not been shooting the ball well for a good while uh, consistently. And I said earlier, shooting like 31 32% in the losses this month. So what do you got, man? You know, you were anointed sixth man of the year by our broadcasters and everyone, including me. And all right, so now it's not working for you. Well, what do you do, man? Because when when things are working for you, well, what are you showing me? Yeah, great. Everybody's great when they're a front runner. It's what do you do when the chips are down, man? How do you find a way to get out of it? And that's what that's what you can see. John Beck and I wrote about this. Yako posted here this morning at twelve eighty the zone, and uh, it will be posted at KSL. My buddy Josh Furlong will put it up here in an hour or so, and he's talking about the scars. And what do you got when you get the scars? You know, what do you do? You're going to get the scars, right? You remember we just we interviewed him. What was it last week? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about uh, they got and he's trained uh, 
three of the five quarterbacks that are expected to go in high in the first round. And he's talking about the scars. And obviously John had a ton of scars when he was in college because he played for th- well, four years, obviously, but uh, two of the three losing seasons that BYU had in a row, he was quarterbacking there. And then he was the quarterback when they went 6-6, six and six, and then he, he withstood all those stars, and he went out a winner. Back to Harleen and then 38 to 8 over Oregon in the Vegas Bowl. And they finished uh, 30, uh, what was that, uh, 11 and 2, right? So he's got all those scars, man. And he survived them. And the NFL didn't work the way he thought it would. All right. But what did he do? He turned it into a lucrative career uh, coaching and training, basically. So you're going to get these scars. And the Jazz got some scars right now. This is a great time to get the scars. I'd rather get them now than to get them in the postseason. So uh, what do you got? And I am so just eager to watch this game tomorrow night. And I agree with you. Don't pass up shots. That's the conclusion I've come to is keep firing, guys. That's how you got the best record in the league. You didn't get the best record in the league by being passive. You got the best record in the league by being awesome. So go ahead and keep doing it. That's the one thing I want to see. I want to see Jordan Clarkson look for his shot every time he's got the ball. Doesn't mean he shoots every time, but I want to see him look for it. And, Joe, if you're open, if you don't shoot, I'm going to come over to your house and and do like Doc did to the little girl in Field of Dreams and smack you in the back <laughs> because you got to do it. So this is a fun time right now. You didn't think you were going to just breeze through, did you? And everything was going to come so easy? When has that ever happened? Did it happen to Kobe? Did it happen to, to um, Jordan? Nope. <clears throat> nope. Uh, no. every, everybody, everybody gets the scars. Yeah. Everybody gets the scars. And even when you think, you know, even the players who you think like escaped without the scars, you know, like Magic won as a rookie, and he won five times, he went back-to-back, and he's the first guy to do it in two decades. And they're like... Yeah, ask uh, Magic about losing an NBA Finals at Madison at, at uh, Boston Garden, and like the the ever present smile will come off his face, you know. And I've heard James Worthy talk about it, saying we choked, we choked, you know. They won five championships, and they feel like they choked. Jordan didn't have the scars. I mean, we all saw the documentary last summer. They had the scars going against the Pistons. They loathed each other. They got swept by those guys one time. They got beaten seven by those guys. When they finally took them down, it was awesome. But it was a quest. It was a, it was a quest. And, and you and I, we're old enough to be hardcore fans at that point. We were adults. And there were, yes. Yes. And there were, well, you and I both know there were plenty of people who thought Jordan would never get over the hump. And that seems like a horrible take now because it is. But at the time, there were plenty of people who wanted to believe that. Uh, He scores a lot of points, but he's he's not a champion. He's not cut from what these guys are cut from. Right. No, yeah, you're right. And and I think that that is, um, Shaq is a lightning rod. You know, because it's TNT, it's big games, and people are watching their pre-half and post stuff because they're watching these big games. And Shaq goes to Donovan. Kenny's got as much doubt. He's nicer about it. But his doubt goes straight to the scars. Like, when Barkley said last week, hey, we got to give the Jazz a shot here. We're overlooking them. Kenny said, this year? Like, Kenny's all about the Jazz a year from now after they accumulate more scars. Now, you're right. The window... 
PK, feels like it's going shut because you got multiple guys in their 30s. Are they all going to stay healthy and productive? Nobody's going to have a drop-off. You know, we're getting back to the the era, the statues era. Is the window closing, right? Yeah, yeah, Was well, yeah, the window yeah, closing yeah. on Chris Paul? How many more runs does he yes. get? Well, I closing. thought in Houston that that was his last best chance. No. <laughs> and they, obviously no, right? Absolutely right. not. But he had so many injuries, and he was, what, 33 at that point? Kind of where Conley is now. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. Conley can have two more good bites at the apple. He really can. I think he can. But, but he might not. He's a free agent, too. He's a free Right. There's a business side. He's a free agent. I think that gets worked out. I think the odds are that'll get worked out. You know, but as far as health and productivity, when you're a six-foot guy, when it goes, it goes in a hurry. But it hasn't gone for Chris Paul. It may or, you know, we don't know how it's going to play out for Conley. He might have two really good years. He might fall off the cliff. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm the one who thought that the Jazz were going to win in the first quarter of the Wolves game. Don't ask me what's going to happen in two years. I couldn't get the last three quarters of last night's game right. So, you, but, but Kenny is just, you know, and he's about our age, right? He's seen everything we've seen. You got, you got to get the scars. And for Rudy, messing that switch up, that's one of the scars. You know, that's one of the scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got him. It's there. You've lost these two ball games. So I'm I'm not down on them. I'm dismayed that they lost these ball games. I'll be the first to admit. And I don't know about the number one seed now. Well, <laughs> you know, Locke, and 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 you know, Locke's all in, and he's emotional, and you know, he grew up. He grew up a Jazz fan with the Malone poster on his wall. He's talked about that. But what he told us Friday was, if the Jazz don't have that one seed in hand in this next week, and clearly they don't, they're going to be in trouble. You know, you can look at the schedule on paper. They should have made hay this week and extended that lead to, you know, three, four games with what they'd be down to nine to go. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Now, the, the Suns play the Clippers Wednesday. If the Clippers win that game and the Jazz take care of business in Sacramento and the Jazz find a way to go in and win Friday, I don't think they're going to win without okay. Donovan, but they could. You got you're back you're back in charge. Yeah, yeah, you are, you are, you are. You are. So but it's we still don't think there. that right now. No, but I just I don't give a. F- well, oh, hey now, hey oh, I don't care. <laughs> Joe Ingles, there you go. Thank you, Joe. Don't, don't give me the number one seed. So what? Even better. Yeah. Because you get gagged at the end, so all the people who doubted you, they doubted you even more. Well, and anyone who wants to backdoor it, that Clipper-Pelican loss is really sad because the Clippers to one while the Lakers are in four or five. It's not how we thought they'd end up on the other side of the bracket, but it put them on the other side of the bracket. So this is even better. It could be. I don't know that you should be wishing for the Suns, though. I don't know that they're a great matchup. So, you know, it's it's I'm West. not wishing for anybody. There's five good teams in the West by the second round. You're absolutely playing somebody who could beat you. Doesn't mean they will, but they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the point? Right. Yes, you can drive yourself. You can drive yourself nuts. You got to play them. They got to play you. But let's have more people pile on. Let's go. Come on, people, pile on. Jazz fans, all you doubters, I want to hear from you. Where are you? How you hanging on? Pile on right now. Tell me that they got no chance, and I'm going to personally record it and go over, and Monday night, me, Joe, Renee, and the kids, we're going to have family night, and I'm going to play all these things that you say. Get on our app and tell us that the Jazz have no chance. This is typical Jazz. Time to fold. Let's hear it. Where are you? I want to hear from you because 
I'm going to pass it along to them. Let's have more people doubting you. Even better when you silence all those critics. And believe me, I know nothing about uh, having a free pass to where you just roll in there and everybody believes you. And I didn't even know where I was going to go with this. I had to pause and think, oh, man, I'm speaking and I'm not making any (laughs) sense. So I better regroup here real quick. Spinning my tires, but I don't know where I'm going. Oh, he was going somewhere. <laughs> going, into, going into Joe Ingles' territory. He's going to get a tech and a fine. Then he's going to go home and hear about it from a wife. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. If I ever got fined, I couldn't afford it. At least yeah. Joe is rich. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. The Jazz take on the Suns on Friday. How important is that game when it comes to determining the best team in the West? I think it's huge. It may not be the difference maker in the standings, but those types of head-to-head matchups, they're real barometers, and they can have an impact on a team as they go into the playoffs. It is, of course, impactful in the standings. You add another game one way or the other, but I just think from a confidence standpoint, it's just far more impactful. You'll give yourself a real shot in the arm going to the playoffs if you handle the next team behind you in the standings in a positive way. I think that's more important than what that game will matter towards. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, the Jazz with basically an instant replay, a sequel to Saturday's game. Sequels usually suck. Nobody needed Mall Cop 2. Nobody. Nobody needed Jazz Wolves too. Wall Cop Two. Yes, random sequel. Paul Blart. The bad news bears go to Japan. Did anybody need that? They go to Japan for three or two. Yeah, they did. Well, they went to the Astrodome too, and I can't remember which order because again, nobody needed those sequels. Either one of them. Okay, the Mighty Ducks had a great sequel. D two. Come on now. I'm not buying it, PK. You in on you in on uh, the the Mighty Ducks too? I'm not sure. I'm see, I'm not a movie guy, so I'm like the worst person to ask on this because I don't think I saw Mighty Ducks one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. You guys missed out. Uh, we weren't the right age. But well, I bet I had kids. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean. I suppose I could do without Rocky fourteen, and I'm <laughs> and I'm like shocked that Sylvester Stallone is not going to be in Creed three. He created the thing. You got to have a place for him. Don Haskins was in Glory Road. You got to you got to. There's got to be a walk on. He's got to. There's got to be something. There's got to be yeah. some cameo. Can't he be like, I don't know, a security guard, a fan in the crowd, something? Yeah, I mean, come on. So. Did the world need all those Rockies? No. Yes. <laughs> no. The next Karate Kid. There's another. There's another movie to miss. Yeah, but those are remakes. They're not really uh, sequels, sequels, are they? Uh, there was a sequel for I, I forget what it was called, but there was one. 
Like Star is Born with... Uh, that was a remake, not a sequel. Lady Gaga. Right. Eh, it was a remake, but it was a different storyline. They gave it a twist, right? Uh, but did we need that? Um, yeah, I say we did. I think we did. Yeah, I'm going with we did. We needed it. <laughs> Major League Two. No, thank you. And did the Jazz need this? I'm going to say, yeah, they did. I, I'm loving life right now with the Jazz. <laughs> Adversity, yeah. conflict, people breaking arms, hopping off the bandwagon, major disappointment, lower lips, moping, dragging on the ground. I mean, you, 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 and you, they all doubt you. I doubt each one of you guys. Are you ever going to make a shot again, Joe? Sure, you were good for a while, and everybody was tooting your horn and all this stuff, and it was all nothing but love. But you ever going to make a basket again that counts? And come on, man. And Clarkson and Bogdanovich, you put up big numbers when they lose. But Let's be a difference maker. Be the difference yeah, maker. Yeah, I mean, you weren't even there last year in a playoff, so how do I know what you're going to do in this year's playoffs? Have you ever done anything in the postseason? Is it, uh, Bogdanovich, you might not even you not you were hey, hey, people doubt you so much, Bogdanovich. They don't even think you're the best Bogdanovich in the NBA. <laughs> they ought to have you in for a pregame talk in the locker room. <laughs> it's it's the truth. He's vaccinated and masked up. He's okay with NBA protocol. Here to irritate each and every one of you. PK! Joe's head drops. Everybody else looks around like, who? And Joe's head is like, oh boy, this is going to go wrong. No, it's going to go right. And then you just go around the room insulting everybody, like some modern day uh, Don Rickles or something, just taking shots. Well, I mean, yeah, me and Shaq, I mean, both of us were born in Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget, Jack. Jack was born right down the street from where my father was born. East Orange and Newark, they're joining communities. They're right next to each other. You can walk. My father used to walk to go down and see the Nork Eagles play in the uh, the Negro Leagues when he was in East Orange. Nork was right down the street, minutes away. He could literally walk when uh, he would go down and see the uh, Eagles play in Nork. So that's where Shaq is from. So, yeah, of course, that's the way on, we're going to be. On a serious note, you throw a lot of stuff out of there, and there was, some, there was some comedy, but there was also some truth mixed in. And one thing that I personally am intrigued, because I have, I have looked this up uh, uh, because I've been curious, is what kind of a playoff period – player is what kind of playoff player is bogey i know what you're getting at yeah um 18 points a game 88 per or 80 percent uh eight is his big series he had a series for indiana it was 18 points a game and signed the jazz free um Mm -hmm. free agent deal off that um But in over four years in the playoffs with three different teams, and obviously you're getting back to when he's 25 and he's a much younger player, so I don't know that all of this should be on him, but it's still, you know, your, your record is what and your stats are what they say, you know, you are. Okay. Uh, 40% field goals uh, shooting and 35% from three. He's not good enough. Right. He's better than that. Right. And that's it. As a 25-year-old in Brooklyn back in 2015 was his first trip. Um Won a playoff series with Washington when he was 27 in 2017, and then had a couple series with the Pacers um, as a 28 and 29 year old in 2018 and 19. Misses the playoffs with the Jazz in 20. So now, who are you now? And we, this goes back to the previous segment we were talking about where are the scars. You know, stuff goes wrong. Do you learn from it? Do you come back better? Kobe shot the air ball. You know, we all know the story. 
ends up with five titles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The thing about Bogdanovich, too, I'm not sure about that Brooklyn situation, but Indiana is like, well, you weren't really expected to do anything. Now you're expected to do something here, man. And you're expected even more. There's never been a jazz team in the history of jazz land that's had more to prove than this team with all the doubters. And the thing about it is if you're going – uh, let's see, if you're going on a regular 82-game season, if you're going 50 and 32, I mean, you're recognized as a good team. But nobody's really expecting you to do anything. But when you held on to the number one seed now for as long as you have, and now you're clinging to it, yeah. and people are expecting you not to have it. So there's all sorts of doubts. So the individually and collectively, this group has never been doubted more than it is right now, today. Because now you've just lost two games. And sure, you didn't have Mitchell, but you played the crappy team that is all over the place, and and you lost them. And the way you lost to them, you got to be a defensive player of the year, and you screw up. What are you, stupid? And you just let a dude go right down to the – right down the – just basically almost literally right down the lane and get an easy layup. I mean, come on, man. The, the doubting this morning – is never been more so. And it's gosh, reaching a crescendo. Oh, yeah. I'd be a pig in mud if I were these guys, man. I would be so fired up. I'm fired up for them because I have a belief in them, and I think they can get it done. But now go prove it because I said I think. I didn't say I know. What do you got? What do you got, Wade? PK, I'd argue that the Jazz are actually the only team in the league who would have something happen like happened last night and then – go on to repeat it yeah see see wade wade not only thinks you suck he thinks you're stupid <laughs> the only team in the league that could have it happen That's and then it. have it happen again yeah yeah you your basketball literacy you're illiterate dwight. all right here's, here's dwight the utah jazz do not handle pressure and that is the bottom line. Every coach knows the mind game, not all your stupid analytics and all your stats. It's a mind game. You put them on pressure, you make them choke, and they go cold. <laughs> Save those for Joe, as long as they win thir- uh, tomorrow, not if they lose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you can hit us up on the open mic. It's feature. Uh, grab your phone. Uh, download our app, you use the open mic feature, and you can send us uh, 15 seconds of audio. Record yourself, send it in, and y'all can play it on the air. DJ and PK, we've got Big T Thurl Bailey joining us next. We'll run all of this by him. Stay with us. Mother's Day is May 9th. Minky Couture is here to help you out, get the best blanket ever. That is also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again. For our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day, get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at minkycouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in Big T, Thurl Bailey, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Thurl, good morning. Good morning. Dude, I'm just enjoying hearing you say couture, man. That just sounds nice rolling off your tongue. Say it again. <laughs> Minky Couture. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, we've been talking. Uh, we've been talking about yeah. the worst. Sequel. I'm here. 
All right. <laughs> We've been talking about the worst sequels you've ever seen because the Jazz <laughs> lost to Minnesota right down to a, uh, you know, the big early lead, the problem shooting the ball in the middle of the game, falling way behind, rallying, taking a one-point lead, uh, a turnover on an attempted alley-oop to Gobert, and ultimately they lost. It was the same game. And I mentioned Mall Cop 2 and PK went nuts. Uh, terrible movie. I heard <laughs> Didn't, didn't, wasn't unfortunate enough to see it. I know, I know, they made a second Star Wars and it was great. But the fourth, fifth, and sixth Star Wars were terrible. Yeah, I got lost on Star Wars when, when they started going back. I mean, right, the whole prequel thing just did that. None, yeah, of, that, just, none of that worked. None of it. No. <laughs> I know, he's going to grow up to be Darth Vader. He's a terrible guy. <laughs> I got it. Well, you know, obviously. You know those two losses really sting for the Jazz. I mean, I I've been in situations myself as a player. I mean, I played a lot of games my career, and I'm not sure there's a situation I haven't seen or been in, been involved in, and I know how it feels to individually and then collectively come out and play a team that you know you you know that you're better than, uh, and record withstanding you're in a position where teams are just gunning for you, whether they have something to, to play for or not. And as we saw last night, there was some breakdowns. Jazz had an opportunity. I mean, obviously they had, they lost that lead again and they had an opportunity and the effort was there to get back into it. And then just some breakdowns at the end that really, when you think of where we are, where the jazz are in the season, um, you know, those, those kind of things just can't be happening. You've got to be able to not have those 14 point quarters and, and 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 be a lot more consistent. So you, know, you are uh, very calm at all times, you know. And I've seen that uh, thing with NC State, and I think it was Sidney Green saying how he was going to take it to the guy with the goggles. And I know you weren't wearing goggles then, but for entertainment purposes, just stay with me here. <laughs> and you know, you didn't say anything, and and we we went through that. I've seen it multiple times, but I got to know, you know, inside you were burning and your way of expressing it publicly was not like mine to scream and yell and you were a calm dude and you still are. Uh, but what do you think these guys are thinking internally now? Because it seems like the whole world, as far as the basketball world goes, are doubting these guys. Well, you can't discount the body of work. I mean, the jazz are still in a great position, right? And this is the NBA. There's some really good teams out there. The West is obviously going to be tough and, um, you still have games to play. And so when you're in a situation like that, I know with me internally, I was, you know, I, I couldn't be the same player, the same person when I was out there on the court. You know, I had to take that nice guy, um, however you described it, and, you know, and and play, you know, differently and, and go out and be physical and go out and, and play my game and, you know, I don't, we can go out to dinner after the game, but right now it's all business. So I think as an athlete, players kind of internalize it differently, but collectively is really going to be the key. You talk about the breakdowns you have. Obviously, I think the Jazz will watch the film. And uh, you heard Rudy last night about that defensive mistake. Uh, he owned it. And that's, I think that's the first part of it is owning it and, and really knowing these guys and and 
and what we've seen to this point, right? I mean, two games don't make a season. I mean, you're going to look back. These two games hurt for sure. But I think we've seen the Jazz time and time again uh, bounce back from defeats, you know, albeit uh, these two from a team at the bottom of the heap. But, um, yeah, I think I think we know these guys well enough to know that, you know, they love to play and they love to compete and they love to figure things out. That's the way, that's the way Quinn coaches. What is it we have to do? And it hasn't happened the last two games, but you know, I don't know if we ought to be saying, well, things are falling apart just because we lost to an NBA team with nothing to lose and, and uh, you know, and came out and beat the Jazz two games in a row. PK and I have been entertained all year by one stupid little thing. But I mean, you know us, so you know how we are. So you're not surprised by that. Um, <laughs> Matt was Matt Harper was calling the game, and uh, he was trying to say law of averages, and he said law of numbers. And we do enough live radio and have said enough dumb stuff that we can totally identify with that. You know, your vocabulary, it just the word eludes you in the moment, right? But for whatever reason, I li- and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I love law of numbers. I now use it just to crack PK up whenever possible. I love to work it in. And peak and, and the law of numbers, if you go big picture, you said body of work, right? The yeah. Jazz are winning about three quarters of their games this year. So they had a nine game win streak and they've now gone six and six in their last twelve. Now, I don't want to get too wound up on two games. Six and six is a bigger chunk, and I got to say it's concerning because you want them improving and playing their best ball, and clearly at six and six you're not. But if I go back a little more, I hit that nine-game win streak, and now they're 15 and six. So really, over a big period of time, I think the message Quinn has to get is this is who you are. You're not better than 15 and six, and you will mess up games, since we're on the radio, you will mess up games (laughs) to get back to basically who you've been in this body of work. So... You're not just the team that won nine in a row because you're not really that good. But you're not as bad as you've shown us stinking up these last two games, and you've stunk them up horribly. You know, that 15-6, and that's really who you are over the course of a season. That's the win pace you've been at since Christmas. So now, can they shake it off? Everybody screws up. Everybody loses. You're old enough to remember foe, foe, foe. You know which year and which playoff series, right? And they didn't do it. They went 4-5-4. Even those Sixers messed up a game, and Moses Malone wasn't right. But they shook off the one loss and annihilated everybody. So do you think the Jazz have the mental toughness to just shake this off and start win going forward? Because if you do, then this stuff never matters. It just doesn't matter. Well, what's their other choice? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean To go yeah. lose to Sacramento and make a bunch more mistakes and be afraid to shoot three-pointers in the third quarter because they've missed a bunch. That's what I don't want to see again. Yeah, and, and that I think that was really out of character for them. You know, I think uh, to see one guy do it, maybe you get it. But to see several guys question what I believe they're really good at, um, and I get I get it. If it's not working, you need to try something else. I and mean, I thought George and Yang just came in and and was that guy who said, "Look, this is <laughs> this is what we need. This is what I'm good at." and I'm not going to change. So I don't think that was the character of the team that we've been seeing, win or lose. Um, and you talk about the law of numbers. Uh, you know, this game has gotten so much in analytics, and I, I know they have their place. 
Um, but, you know, we're talking about a team that has had an incredible season, including, you know, everything, right? I mean, being a great team means that you figure out how to get through the, the difficult times because you're going to find them, right? There's just going to be those given nights when you and PK have a bad broadcast, right? I mean, you know, it just it just happens. Or, you know, me and a, me and a, a lemma or me and, me and Bowler screw up. So I think this Jazz team, I think we've really seen who they are. And I think the law of numbers at the time, like, you know, when they're going on these win streaks, is that really the Jazz or is this the fluke? No, I, I think it's really them. I mean, I think the philosophy works. Uh, it's it's a high-risk philosophy sometimes because the three is not going to fall, but that's when your defense you know, really has to kind of equalize things. But, yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, I agree that this team has to, or Quinn has to look at this team and say, say, look where we are, look what we've accomplished. We've got a lot of work to do to, you know, to stay in that top spot or to, to have that top spot, to have an opportunity to, to continue to move on and win this championship. But yeah, I, I, I think we we've seen the, we saw the worst of the jazz in these last two games. So I'm watching the game, the second game, and I'm watching Jordan Clarkson take a bunch of shots and missing. And I'm thinking to myself, pass the ball. Well, I look at the box score; he's got eight assists. And, and then I was talking about how uh, I got up uh, early the next morning and I'm reflecting upon it. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to talk about at work today? And I'm thinking, I've sort of changed my mind. Actually, I have changed my mind. I'm thinking, Jordan, by all means, man, keep firing away because that's what this team uh, needs and that's how you help get this team to where it is and number one in the standings and all that stuff. So I'm totally fine with it. My only criticism is I don't want to see bad body language, you know, and I reflect back on uh, Gordon Hayward. I thought he had some bad body language sometimes. Now, he wasn't with a good team at the time, so maybe that uh, attributed to it. But if you miss 10 in a row, I I want you to be cocky. I want you to keep firing away and think that uh, don't show any weakness in in your appearance, in your body language. What do you say to that? Well, I I think sometimes it's hard not to show frustration at something that, you know, you're, you've been really good at, um, and, you know, Jordan Clarkson has had his moments and I, I kind of had this discussion through social media with the guy who talked about, you know, Jordan needs to stop taking those shots. Um, he's not the same Jordan Clarkson as he was first half of the season. And I'm thinking, well, the same, the same Jordan Clarkson you're talking about, um, the beginning of the season, you're criticizing him now for taking the same shots but missing them, right? So my point was, Jordan Clarkson has the ability and the freedom to really, um, to really put his mark on a game. Now, Jordan, Jordan doesn't get enough credit for the for the work he does on the other end of the court. Um, but his job, and I can relate to this as a six man. I mean, you go back and look at some of my games. You know, when I I was struggling one for 11 or two for 12, you know, I I definitely wasn't going to stop shooting. I wasn't going to try to go outside myself and step out in the three-point line because that just wasn't my game. But Quinn has given J.C. the freedom to go out and play a total game and offensively to be himself. Um, So 
you know, you can't cheer for him when he's rolling and, and getting those potential six-man accolades, and then when he's struggling, say, stop shooting. That's that's ludicrous. Um, but you're right. I mean, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, to personally go go through those things without getting frustrated, you know, outwardly, because I think it just kind of exacerbates the problem. But every athlete goes through it. I mean, we've seen Rudy pick up a few texts because he gets a little emotional with the refs and um, but he's I think he's getting better at it but each each player I think uh, has the support of all the other guys I think that's what makes this team special as well uh, and hopefully you know if we get Donovan back soon I think this team will start uh, clicking on those cylinders again they have to they have no other choice Big T. Thurl Bailey joining us, and I am interested in your take on the Suns. Uh, you know, as Chris Paul plays great late in his career, it seems like a couple things happen here, Thurl. One, you know, mentally you get so much better. All the scars, all the failures, all the times you didn't break through when you were 25, 26, 27, and you're 33, 34, 35. You, you do amazing stuff, and yet you constantly hear the window is closing. Because you never know when someone's productivity is just going to fall off a cliff, especially if you're one of the smaller guys, right? And it happens yeah. to big guys, but especially when you're one of the smaller guys. So are you surprised when you see the stuff he's pulled off this year? Are you surprised at how good the Suns are? Do you trust him to stay healthy in the playoffs because he's had a lot of postseason injuries? Big picture, what do you think about the Suns and Chris Paul? Well, I, I knew that the Suns would be better with the addition of Chris Paul and, and he was going to elevate Booker's game as well. But, you know, I say this about Mike Conley as well. I know we're talking Chris Paul now, but I think they're kind of in that same category is that, you know, at some point your physical skills are going to start waning, whether you were, you know, fast or could jump high, those things are going to dial down, dial down. But if you can grasp the, you know, the IQ part, right. The part where, you're taking your time and everybody else is, you know, running around and you're finding your space. Chris Paul to me is, is probably still one of the best mid range players that I've ever seen, especially being that size and being able to get his shot off when he wants on anybody he wants. He's kind of a slower version of a Steph Curry in that area. But, um, yeah, I mean, you saw what he did against the Knicks. Very clutch player, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of knocks on him, right, on teams that he's been on. But I think he's proven. And heck, he's making $41 million, so he's got to <laughs> go out and continue to prove his worth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he has really been that guy, that glue. And part of that is being able, being able to accept that you may be not the man, but you kind of are. Right, I mean, Booker is the is kind of that that all star for that team, but Chris Paul is okay with it, and I think that's part of it. I'm okay with with you know making you better and you getting the limelight, and I'll get it every once in a while, like against the Knicks last night. But I think he's at the point of his career now where you know he really wants to win, get to that next level, and he'll do whatever it takes. Do you? Or do the Jazz, either of you, the Jazz and you, do you care who they play in the postseason? Um, 
I didn't really care. I mean, we it was it was discussed, right? Um, it was discussed about matchups and and you look throughout the course of the season and see who you've matched up with and not necessarily beat all the time, but see who who you've matched up with and and who gives you trouble. But I don't think there's an outright uh, conscious thinking of no, I don't want to play those guys. Uh, but I didn't really care. I don't really think the Jazz care. I mean, I I think knowing what I know about Quinn, it really is about getting the very best position you can, right, and getting home court advantage and getting those things that 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 assist you in winning. But I'm not sure the Jazz really care. I mean, we can, we can go through the list and say, ah, I don't know if we want to meet those guys right now. The Lakers are dropping, and you know we might get them early. Um, but yeah, that's a good question, PK. I, I don't I don't know where the Jazz stand on that, but I'm going to lean on the side of they don't they don't really care who it is. They just want to be in the best position when the time comes. Don't you believe there's five really good teams in the West, and you don't know? Obviously, one of them is going to get knocked out before the first round. The Lakers will probably play the Nuggets, and one of one of the good teams in my mind will get knocked out. And then in the second round, anything can happen, regardless of who the favorites are. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah, you're right. And you know, under the circumstances with the play-in games and and those kind of things, the teams are. I mean, look at what Steph's doing with the Warriors right now. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good feat right now to, to step in and, you know, play those games, uh, play a, a series against that team um, if they come out of, you know, the playing game. So you're right. I mean, anything can happen. I think we've seen it. Uh, I think we've we've seen enough of some of the top teams going in and, and um, you know, starting out really good beginning of the playoffs and then like similar to what the jazz did. Um, and also another end similar to what Denver did in the bubble, just, uh, being a totally different team. Look what the Brooklyn Nets are doing. I mean, they, they've got some great players on that team, but, um, you know, they're, they're looking at winning a championship. That's what they, that's why they put that team together. And so you're right. I mean, Anything can happen, and I think that's why the Jazz are really – it's really important for them to get back on that winning streak in the way we've seen them, and also, more importantly, guys, get healthy. So you had a birthday earlier this month. Is life better at 60? Life is great at 60, man. I mean, I, you know, 50 was a, was a big number, but 60, you're like cruising, right? I mean, you're like on your Harley going up in the canyon. <laughs> And just just cruising and taking in the sights and enjoying your family and sitting back and and enjoying what you do work wise and working with great people. So yeah, sixty's good. Sixty's a good number because you know um, it's all downhill from here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and do you really think it's all downhill, or do no. you feel like you're gonna? I feel like you're more on the back stretch at Daytona. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. You Analogy. are just dropping the hammer. You get to do what you want, largely, right? Your kids yep. are, are mostly grown and gone? Yep. Or completely grown and gone? 
No, he's still got one. Mostly. Mostly. Got one more. Right, you got one more. Okay. Yeah, so I think you got more free time than you had. You're smarter because uh, just like NBA teams and NBA players, you've learned lessons that have come before, right? You're not you're not repeating the mistakes. Times are yeah. good. You got a better idea, big picture, where things are going. Wait, how old are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm a few years younger than you. What are you talking about? I'm not that much younger than you, but I'm younger than you. But I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> I'm, yeah, not, it's, it's, I'm not it's 60, but I can see it from where I'm standing. You can see it, right? <laughs> yeah, Through my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Thurl. Man, you dropped multiple law of numbers and then a through my eyes. Well played. Through my eyes. <laughs> through my eyes. Oh, guys. <laughs> see, you wouldn't have pulled this off at 40. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Oh. All right, Big T. We'll let you go. It was good having you on. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again, and we'll see more of you as the uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. Here, the countdown is on. We're not to single digits left in the regular seasons, but we're getting there. Eleven games left now. That's right. Do you remember when we used to count them down, baby? Yep, yep. Count them down. Nice. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, have a good oh before one. we go, before Uh-oh. we go. Oh, this is real important, and I feel bad I didn't bring it up till now. Uh, Dodger dogs are no longer going to be. Uh, Farmer John Dodger Dogs, they've had a party in the ways over money, as it turns out, at Dodger Stadium, which if you're in Southern California, everybody, they sell like 3 million Dodger Dogs a year. PK was talking about how when he goes to games, he can't believe the first time I went to a game that I didn't have a Dodger Dog till like the third inning. He said, you should have one before the game, and then you should have one in the second, in the fourth, in the sixth, in the eighth. I mean, how many hot dogs... How many hot dogs could one person eat in one game? Go for the record. Go for the record, <laughs> DJ. Go for the record. I've seen you, baby. Was it six or eight you threw down on the set? Uh, I think it was eight. Oh, <laughs> we had it, what was the bet? Was the bet that it was uh, 10 or 12? It was a spontaneous thing. Pace and Thurl and I were doing jazz pre-half and post back in the D-Will era. And it was a road game, and there was a show or a concert or some reason there was something going on, and the concessions was open. And somehow it came up about you know my appetite and how many I could eat, and suddenly it was on. It was on, man, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it got preempted. Because the game was late. They must have been on the West Coast. And none of us took into account the concession stand was going to close. And all yeah. of a sudden it was over. They just rolled it. And I was at like eight. But I can tell you, PK, there's a lot of sodium in those things. And then you drink a lot of water and you're real uncomfortable. And it's just yeah, like, we, wait we, a minute. Am I like 18 and a freshman in college? How stupid am I? Yeah, I'm uh, glad we didn't get to see the post game on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was a good Woo. time. Yeah, right? Yeah, and th- and 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 the, and the thing is, you were you were part of the problem. But man, Pace, he was just egging me on. So, and I was just totally all in on it. It's stupid, and yet entertaining. Yeah. All these years later, very entertaining. I'd all like right, to see it again. <laughs> Thanks, Big T. <laughs> all right, guys, appreciate you. All right, Big T. Throw Bailey. You'll see him on the Jazz broadcast. Matt Harpering and uh, Craig Bowlerjack, and they'll be back at it. Sacramento Kings Wednesday night. 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, the pregame. DJ on radio here, uh, 7.30 on TV. DJ and PK, we're back to catch up on everything you missed in this show. Next, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Number one.
Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us. Well, the Niners are not going to be backed into a corner here, and Kyle Shanahan is not going to tell you if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded during the course of this NFL draft. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't be, and he's not guaranteeing anything's going to be, anyone's going to be on the roster Sunday because somebody might have died, PK. It's kind of an extreme example, but he didn't have to answer the question, so there was that. I think Fred Warner will be on the roster Sunday. <laughs> You're going to take your chances it's with him. Pretty safe bet there. <laughs> Nice player for them. I think the point being that, you know, who are they going to draft? Are they going to draft a quarterback? And uh, you think you're trading up for the opportunity to draft that quarterback, but which quarterback is it going to be? And then if you should want to move Garoppolo, whether it be back to the Patriots or any number of teams, you don't want to lose leverage and you want to get as much as you could possibly get. So, and then there's the idea of, well, you draft a quarterback, which appears it's going to be, I don't know which one it's going to be, Mac Jones or Lance or whomever, uh, does that mean that that person starts from game one? Because the Niners then, they were right there. And so, you know, when you think of starting a rookie quarterback, the word that screams comes to mind, screams at you, is rebuild. And are the Niners in already and in a rebuild? Man, it seems like they were a contender yesterday. Well, the Rams and the Niners, you know, the NFC West had a couple teams in the Super Bowl in consecutive years. They both got beat, but they were both there. And the Rams have already given up on their young quarterback who, you know, all the stuff you're referring to there, you know, they invested in him and and they gave up on him. They traded him for Stafford. And are the Niners going to give up on Garoppolo? Usually when you have a young quarterback who gets you that far, you think you would invest in him and keep getting better because obviously you can get very close to winning it all with him. Right. So it's weird to me that not just one, but two teams, who I thought were in very similar places, would give up on their guys. But maybe it comes down to, yeah, they were all right, but we don't want to have to pay them. And there is a trend now towards trying to win with a good young quarterback on a rookie contract because once you pay them, you lose the roster flexibility because you don't have the money to go get the other guys. But Stafford isn't rebuild, though. No, he's not. It's so true. So it's a different yeah. situation. They give up on the quarterback. Okay, fine, I can go along with that. But that's where the similarities end. I mean, you're getting a quality veteran here. Yes, he is. Some say has been really good, just hasn't had the horses around him, and has been in a losing organization. And now going forward, he's not going to be. And so how is that playing out? I'm expecting that the Rams – think that at least they think they're going to contend for the NFC West, and so do I. I think they are going to contend. I'm expecting Stafford, health permitting, to have a real big season. And I don't know. I couldn't even tell you today who's going to be the Niners' starting quarterback in Game 1. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know who's on the roster, obviously. Uh, We'll know more Thursday. But even when they draft this guy, can I tell you right off the bat on Thursday, I mean, as the season progresses, if they do like the Jets did and Trey Darnold, then, okay, I can assume that Zach Wilson's going to be the starter. But until they get rid of Garoppolo, I can't say that for sure. Yeah, I think the, 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 um, the more accurate answer uh, is I, this isn't just about Jimmy G. This is about the whole roster. I don't want to guarantee you any player is going to be on the roster. Draft days are crazy, and it's not just 
this club who will hear crazy offers. So for NFL teams to start guaranteeing you stuff, um, I mean, it's probably true, but I'm not going to set it up so that you can come in here and say you lied to me either. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's where it really sits. Crazy. Someone could call and offer you something crazy because they're desperate to move up and get their guy, whoever their guy is. So, you know... This isn't, this isn't really just a Jimmy G question. This is to the whole roster. And all these guys are pros, and in the locker room, all the smart people know this. All of them. Well, and they're also struggling with salary cap issues as mm-hmm. it is. So this could be something where, okay, team's like, hey, we'll take X number of dollars off your hand. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. All right, that's kind of the, uh, the NFL news. It's uh, Groundhog Day for college football. We've got a Republican from Ohio and a Democrat from Missouri who have co-sponsored the Student-Athlete Level Playing Field Act in Congress to uh, give players the right to earn money through endorsements and sponsorship deals. It seems like we have been told for at least three years now, PK, that we're at the, the, the verge of uh, name, image, and likeness, and players are going to be compensated for their name, their image, and their likeness. So they can go out and make this money, but it hasn't happened. And it seems like it's been just weeks or months away, except for three or four years now. Uh, Yeah, any decade now, it's going to (laughs) happen. We did talk a little baseball earlier this morning. The Giants, everyone's talking Padres and Dodgers and given the way their games went uh, and the fact that the Dodgers are the defending champs, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's all spot on. But who's 15-8 and and tied for the best Record in Major League Baseball. Well, Oakland and San Francisco with the Dodgers, all of 15 and 8. So look out. That's awesome, man. The Giants, absolutely. I mean, they, you know, they had the inevitable rebuild. Uh, you win three World Series in a five year span, I think it was uh, last decade. You're obviously going to have to have age out of the system, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, they still got a couple of guys. Crawford, although he didn't play last night, and Posey. Posey, Posey Homer. took last year off last year off and has come back and he's playing well i I believe posey's a hall of famer i think they'll have two guys off those world series teams who will make the hall of fame and that will be uh and posey where does posey go down in giants history if he takes this year off and now with another group comes back and what if they do the unthinkable and come out of nowhere and win it all i think he goes ahead of willie mays Oh, man. Move over, fill-in-the-blank Giants player. Buster Posey's passing you. He becomes a legend, and I think he's on his way to legendum. Yeah. uh, Because uh, he's been – they win. I mean, there's – there's, it's like the NBA, you know. People can put up stats, but there's something to be said for winning, and that's the Chris Paul argument right now. What level of MVP consideration does Chris Paul deserve? He's not going to have the gaudy stats. But and the team was going to get better, even if they had Rubio there. But this as is the a point guard. Quantum but, yeah, leap. This is a massive yeah. leap, no doubt about it. And he deserves a ton of credit. I mean, Chris Paul has been a statesman in this league now, and he does the commercials, the insurance, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So he's been a known commodity throughout the league for a number of years. But I think this is his greatest achievement. And uh, yet, the story is far from being over, too. You know, how, how what's going to be the ending? I you know, we'll we'll see in the postseason. But winning matters, and if you're integral to winning, as Chris Paul is to Phoenix, and Buster Posey is to the Giants, I don't really care what your stats are. <laughs> right? W's, baby, trophies, yeah. championships, yeah. parades. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of Chris Paul, the Suns end the Knicks' nine-game winning streak, 118-110. Booker went for 33. Chris Paul with a couple of really big shots down the stretch, one of them off balance. It looked like it was out of control. Everything about his body suggests it was out of control, but the shooting motion and form was pretty good, and the shot went in. Chris Paul making big plays at the end, and the Suns move within one game of the Jazz. Setting it up for Friday night to have the best record in the NBA. It could happen. Two big games now. They're coming home after they go 3-2 and two on this Eastern road trip. They're coming home for the Clippers on Wednesday and the Jazz on Friday. And the Clippers lost to the Pelicans, 120-103. So Jazz are a game up on the Suns and two up on the Clippers. Yeah, wow, that would be something, you know, to hold on to first place for so long and then finish third. Yeah. That doesn't seem what you want, obviously. Uh, very well could happen. I don't know, but it's not something that you want. Although that would, to me, that would give you a, a little bit of an extra edge, too. Again, you kind of stumbled down the stretch, obviously, and so what are you going to do about it now? So that, that would be fun to see. Uh, either way, That's... it's going to be fun to see, you know, how they're going to. How are they going to rebound from whatever's going on here? I would like to see them both win tomorrow, set up something uh, that, uh, you know, first place on the line, make it a little more dramatic on a Friday night in Phoenix. Well, the most dramatic would be if the Jazz, uh, if the if the Suns beat the Clippers and the Jazz screw up and lose in Sacramento and they are tied for first going into that game. And... Then the Jazz win it and go back. Yeah, to well, actually, they wouldn't be tied for first because the Suns would have the uh, the. Advantage. They have the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. The Jazz, uh, the Suns have the tiebreaker over the Jazz. The Jazz have the tiebreaker over the Clippers. Yeah, so you obviously don't want to up. finish tied with them if that's what you want. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over, almost here. Don't go nowhere. Mike Conley gets a lot of assists every night. Too bad most of them are to the other team. Utah Jazz fans should be happy that the Jazz are actually making the NBA a better league because every crappy team is bringing their A game and proving that they can all play basketball if they put their minds to it. Everybody just hates Utah, and that's a fact. Every Jazz loss proves that people hate Utah, PK. I know I hate them when they lose. Use the open mic, grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature, and you can send us your takes right there. Conley, too many turnovers. You know, it's not like one guy's doing this. They're hitting the 20 turnovers, and there's usually at least three or four guys with too many turnovers. No, nobody gets all the credit for these games. Yeah, but they only had 11 last night. I yeah. predicted 10, You I did. missed it by one. Yes, but 10 was you were aggressive. That's an aggressive total. You hold a 10 in an NBA game. I think the league leaders usually turn it over 12, 13 times a game. So usually I see a number there. I'm okay with it. You get to 10, then that is, you know, that is a very good number. Because you've got to have some kind of uh, risk take, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, in a game. All right, you're hitting us up on Twitter all day long. David DJ James, your feedback. What you uh, think about, uh, well, we know what you all think about last night's game. (laughs) Josh says, hey, were the Jazz trying to get better when they gave the Lakers a win? Quinn doesn't have answers right now because he knows they have zero inside game when the threes aren't falling. Zero ability to run a fast break. 
zero ability to run a fast break? Yeah, I don't buy that. I get more, I mean, zero ability to have an inside game. I get that. I did think that in that third quarter when things were really going wrong and it was getting later and everybody could feel it, I was waiting for Joe to check back in the game thinking either he gets one of the, he hits Rudy on an easy bucket on a pick and roll or, uh, or favors whoever he's in with, and, or he gets a layup himself. I did think they could use something going to the hoop. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Clarkson gets to the hoop, and I thought he did. And some of them, I mean, he had a four-footer that hit the rim three times and came out. I don't know how the heck that happened, but it did. Uh, but the inside game, it can get a little limiting. You know, I, I thought Boyan did a good job of, he's got that move, you know, change directions twice, back in, and then he took a shot and hit the backboard and went all the way over and didn't hit the rim. You know, so that, that's when you know things are really going bad. It's like, okay, he wants to take an eight or ten-footer here instead of a three. I get that. And he missed the rim. He did. I remember it's very well. Yeah. So, but at least they were looking for some of those. But there's no question that when they get Donovan Mitchell back, you know, the points in the paint should go up. Uh, Mitchell's great at, at getting stuff inside of five or six feet going to the hoop. Uh, but the zero ability to run a fast break, that just comes down to taking the opportunities off the long rebounds and obviously whatever you can force off turnovers. And I thought they got a few of those going late in the game when they got back in it. You know, Mitchell saved this franchise from going into a deep rebuild again after Hayward left. Mm-hmm. And now is he going to save this season? Well, it's funny, and I saw a lot of this on Twitter last night. You know, there are people who complain about hero ball because Donovan tries to take over late in games. But now I think after watching these last two games, people would totally sign up for Donovan taking over in the last three or four minutes. Come on back and play some hero ball. Take over. Well, hero ball if it goes in, yeah. Right. Then you're a hero. If it doesn't go in, you're a bum. I mean, that's but that's the nature of sports. Mm-hmm. Josh says taking that many three pointers means no free throws, no easy transition, long rebounding droughts. Forty is one thing. Fifty nine is an embarrassing, lazy joke. <laughs> well, that's the way I was feeling in the moment. But I'd have to evaluate all of them, which they do, I'm sure. Yeah, they do. Ten times over. Yeah. Uh, because this morning I, I've thought, well, you know, you are who you are. And so you've got to be able to succeed at what you're best at. Because if you don't, you're going to lose. So, you know, you can't get in a situation and then all of a sudden change everything. Because that probably isn't going to lead to success either. But you could be smarter and take better shots. I've, I, you know, I don't have any problem if a guy feels like, hey, it's not really falling for me tonight from the outside, mm-hmm. but I got to do other, so I've got to do other things. Now, you look at Clarkson, other things. I mean, he did have eight assists, so he was doing other things uh, and maybe go to the hot hand. That's why I loved that Coach Schneider gave Niang extended minutes where he normally wouldn't have. Yeah. And because he had it going on. Alter the rotation, yep. Yeah, and I felt like in, at, down the stretch, in my mind, the only two I wanted to see take threes were Conley and George. Conley ended up three of nine. Yang ended up four of nine. Royce O'Neal was two for five. 40%. Can't really complain about it. Well, if he's totally open. Right. It's almost like the, the, with, with, with O'Neal, and it's throughout the game, it isn't uh, particular to any point in the game. If you are totally open and the situation demands you to take it, take it. 
The one thing I thought early in the year is they have so many shooters, they can't all go cold at the same time. Now, Mitchell is out, obviously. But if Mitchell is out, and I tell you, Bogey's one for seven from three, Clarkson's one for ten, and Joe is three for 13. What do you struggle? Yeah, what do you think happened, right? And those, those are their numbers for that game. Yeah, and, and so maybe it's just getting Mitchell back and everything's going to be fine. Well, I think it goes to the point that even with Mitchell, their margin of uh, their margin for error isn't that great. I think if you want to come out of um, if you want to come out of uh, these two games with anything positive, it's that they've kept defending most of the time when they've gotten in trouble this year. They haven't defended, and I think you know at the end of the night when you look up and you see the Timberwolves have 105 points. I know you can nitpick, and I know there were mistakes, but 105 is not a bad number in the NBA these days. I can think of one mistake. Yeah, I bet you can. I bet everybody can who is watching at the end of the game. Uh, but when if when they get Mitchell back, you know, if they hold teams to 105, I would think they're going to win way more than they lose because they have all year. It's once they start giving up more than 110 points, they're that's when they become a pretty mediocre team. So they're still defending, so I don't think you know all hope is lost because Mitchell's going to get other guys easier shots. The second he walks on the court, he'll be the focus of the defense again. And other people are finding out what it's like when the defense can focus on you. Clarkson yeah. certainly is. He is a marked man when he comes on the court. You know. So, All right, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up. Stay with us.